Now. Three, two, one, go! What's up and welcome to episode 36 of the Cool Down Time Podcast, a horrendously good weekly show about gaming's best and bootiest. I'm your graphically impressive host, Marco, and joining me as always is my co-host, grizzled console war veteran and king of podcast co-op. I got Pablo in the house. Pablo, what's going on, man? What is happening? I'm here, ready to talk about video games, mm. uh, get into the into the nitty gritty of the council wars, ready to piss off some people, ready to uh, have people just scream at me through uh, while they're driving home, driving to work or home. It's gonna Basically, get ugly. Fuck you. Basically, we don't care. We don't care. Hope you like spicy food because it's gonna get. Uh, I'm just gonna keep talking like I didn't say all that. Um, great show. <laughs> G- great show planned for today. Uh, me and Pablo are coming in hot. Uh, with a good one for you. If you are a new listener, welcome. Appreciate you checking us out for the first time. Hope you like what you hear. Hope you can tolerate our ridiculousness. Uh, if you're a returning listener, thanks for popping back in and uh, showing us some love again. We appreciate you guys. We have a, uh, a wonderful episode uh, this week for sure. Uh, we have our loadouts, which is going to get you caught up on the games we've been playing since you last heard from us. We've got our new segment of the show called Loadouts. We have a pretty stacked uh, hit points segment today with five very interesting news stories to cut through uh, in this week's episode. And then we have our main event of the show, which is the Checkpoint Chat. And we're going to have ourselves a nice little console war. So uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting one. This is not going to be the toxic Twitter console war. This is this is in a controlled environment uh, yeah. instead, where we're going to kind of talk through 10 different aspects of each uh, console and pick our winners uh, from best to worst in each of those categories. So you're definitely yeah, going to want to stick around for that. You're going to be surprised what we come at with uh, with some of these yeah. takes of ours. So And I, and I think that we're, uh, we're console agnostic. And we own all the consoles, and I think that we love each of them uh, in different times. We love w- one more than the other. So we're definitely not here to, 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 to bait anybody, but we, we have some thoughts and opinions. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as the console's name rhymes with Xbox, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're yeah. you know what I'm saying? Uh, no, it's going to be a pretty good one. And uh, and also, as a little dessert at the end of the episode, uh, our personal top 10 games of the year continue. You caught Pablo's last week at the end of episode 35. And now it's my turn. So stay tuned at the end of the show uh, to hear my personal top 10 games of 2021. And... Uh, and that's kind of what we got going on. So plenty to get into. If you like what you hear, uh, give our podcast a sub. Uh, we are wherever you're currently streaming us now, plus Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other streaming apps. Uh, so be sure to give us a follow. It doesn't cost you nothing to do that. So uh, be sure to do that. Also, uh, we're on social media. We've got Instagram at Cooldown Time Podcast. We also have a new Twitter account at Cooldown Time Pod. If you want to show us some love and stay connected with us in between episodes, that's kind of the way we'd like you to do it. So uh, with that being said, I think we're ready to go ahead and get started, my G. And we're going to start Let's with loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. 
All right, man. So uh, it's it's kind of one of those weird times of, of uh, the start of the year where there's there's new stuff coming soon. Uh, so there's not a ton of new stuff to play just yet. So uh, you've been playing a, a very interesting game that's actually been getting quite a bit of press uh, over the last week or so. So why don't you talk about what you got? Yeah, I mean, that is the reason why I'm playing it. And the, and the game that you're referring to is uh, Days Gone. Now, this is a game that when it came out, I, I played, actually played a lot of it. Uh, I, I checked my my time clocked into it. It was like 25 hours that I actually put into it before I started playing it again. Um, you know, I, I think for me, I'll start with kind of the positives. I, I, I've, I've, um, I kind of forgot how enjoyable the game could be at times. While the problem is that the never the game never really excels at any one thing as a whole, uh, the game is in fact the 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 epitome of fine. Uh, and, and 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 a lot of times that's okay uh, because making games is hard. But when you're a Sony first party title, being aggressively fine just isn't going to cut it. So you know there's a lot of those conversations going around. And and I'll say that the motorcycle aspect of the game, the actual riding of the motorcycle stuff, the the survival aspect of it, of fixing your bikes, picking up scrap, making sure the, 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 the motorcycle is gassed up, those have been, for me, like the most exciting parts of the game where, hey, I'm at 30% gas and I have to stop at this area that has a gas tank. And there's it's either being uh, guarded or it's filled with freakers. And, and it's it's creating like a really exciting moment of gameplay. While this, because the story very early on is very like, go here, go here. Like It's very like, uh, it's get me this, grab me this. It's very mundane in its approach to storytelling at first. It does pick up towards the end. Um, while, while the writing is mostly not great to hand-fisted, I did find myself being intrigued at times with the story and kind of some of the characters characters but uh it has to be the, the the time where there's not much to play uh you know i always felt that i never gave days gone a fair shake it's in the news and so i've um i've i'm playing it but this game is riddled with just bad stuff you know <laughs> oh yeah uh see unlike horizons road on and i bring that up because i know that's some that's something that's going to come up here the idea of days gone is so rudimentary that any improvement to that game would still feel old and unimaginative. Um, putting anything that's a little better than what Days Gone has done, uh, it still isn't going to like move the needle one way or the other. Like For example, Horizon Zero Dawn, I'm not a fan of the first game, but I've always said, and, and, and I'm about to be proven right or wrong here in the next couple of weeks, is I think that the game, if it was just a little better in some aspects, the game could actually be incredible. I don't think Days Gone has that... Uh, going for it um you know everything from the from the supporting cast is, is, is bland boring deacons deacons john is just the most bland and uninteresting protagonist i've ever played in my entire life in terms of like a triple a huge studio making putting money into it uh it, it just generally lacked innovation um and 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 it's derivative so much so that this game really couldn't exist today because it is like Sons of Anarchy meets uh, The Walking Dead. One of those shows is literally not on the air anymore, no and the other one is on life support in terms of it being relevant in, in, in pop culture. So it, it's just it, everything that greenlit this game does not exist today in the same kind of form or fashion. So it has a real like it has a real big issue in that way. Which brings me to, to the reason that I'm playing this game is uh, Jeff Frost, director or former director or director of uh, uh, of Days gone but former employee of playstation and, and bend uh 
you know, talked about his plans for the sequel, which sounded absolutely mundane and boring. <laughs> uh, but really, what what brought up everything in terms of of the reason why I'm playing it and the reason why it's in 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 in, uh, in the news and on social media is because he brought up sales numbers and kind of made it seem that Sony was burying a very successful game. Um, the the issue with that is twofold. One. Come to find out, those sales numbers were absolutely made up. Were based on the fact of as to how many people popped a certain amount of of um, trophies, and uh, he didn't take into account people who might have rebought the game used or or, or something of that. And sort. I, so, I think it was also based on it was based on um, that the PlayStation now like the free games that you get now with like your, the subscription like that that mm-hmm. dozen or so games. So it's not even that's like right. a paid thing, you know. Right. That's also uh, the fact. And so that and 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 just kind of pretty much throwing trying to throw Sony under the bus saying that it wasn't marketed as 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 a great game because it wasn't. And the fact that he compared it to Ghost of Tsushima, which is an incredible game. That is an actual amazing game that's innovative, and it is uh, it is it isn't really part of anything. It didn't attach itself to to any cultural phenomenon other than people's obsession with, with Japanese culture, which it is has always been a cultural phenomenon within video game communities. But it's not like a pop culture thing where it's not. This is the thing that's now, and this is why we're making this game. It is a, a story told that is very that is very uh, particular and it is written really well. Days Gone is, is not any of those things. And so, yeah. Yeah. And so for me, I, I, I really do enjoy this game. I think this game is, is, is a, is a really good open world game to just kind of throw on and, and have a good time with. Like when it, when it came, I still, I, I still kind of hold true to the fact that I don't think I gave this game a fair shake when it first came out. Um, but I, 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 I'm enjoying it more than I did before. But ultimately, none of none of the things that that game does, that that Days Gone does, really is resonates with me in any particular or interesting way, and really does not hang with pretty much none of the first party Sony games. Which is when we talk about games in, in, in the video in video games, uh, the actual software, Sony's first party studios are the are the studios that we always kind of look to to th- deliver those incredible games. And Days Gone. Does not seem. Matter of fact, hate to say it, Days Gone almost seems like an Xbox exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wait a second! Feels <laughs> uh, you know, like wait a minute. I didn't talk. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> yeah, you know we're talking about and that's in the past. But um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, that, that's that's kind of where I'm at. What do you, what do you think about? Yeah, this? I mean, you know, look, you kind of said it best. Um, uh, I think that for me, one of the things that um that stands out that you said a minute ago is that you're right. It. it in terms of their catalog, you know, mediocre just isn't going to cut it. And and on top of that, they're already doing the um, they're already doing the zombie thing with 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 The Last of Us. They already have yeah. that covered in a more interesting way, in a in a way better told way, way better gameplay, way better everything. Right? There's not a HBO series coming for Days Gone. You know what I'm saying? So right. like that yeah, tells yeah. you, okay, we have that covered now. And so. Ugh. <laughs> Um, he's going to do this while I'm trying to get my bars off. You see what I did? See what I deal with? Uh, no, but look, I, I think, you know, and I know they tried to pitch the sequel. They tried to pitch a new siphon filter, uh, which ironically days gone is in the siphon filter universe somehow. Um, they also pitched an open world resistance game, which I thought was actually kind of interesting. Um, but that got turned down as well. And I think it's just straight up because 
Jim Ryan is like, y'all really aren't that great. Um, you're, you're all right, but we're, we're, why don't you do a last of us remake, <laughs> which is what they're working on right now. And guess what? It is what it is. You know, that their game came out aggressively mediocre. It actually came out in really bad shape with a lot of awful bugs at the time. Uh, I remember a lot of that happening with like people that and were that's reviewing the game. Why I'm enjoying it more now. That's why. Yeah. yeah and, and why the Metacritic was so low at the time too. And, and unfortunately, yeah, the Metacritic matters to, to, to Jim Ryan and, and, and the crew, man. So unfortunately it is what it is. And I, I just don't understand the campaign as if he got robbed of making like the next God of War or something like that on that kind of scale. It's not like that at all. It was a mediocre game that was all right. Some people really, really love it a lot of people said hey it's just kind of and that's not the kind of reputation you want from a playstation studio uh, experience you know when you look at when you look at the other playstation studio games like for example last of us 2 yeah it's not because the game isn't quality it's because people are pieces of shit (laughs) <laughs> and don't and, and really can't uh, comprehend a female who has muscles. That that's literally why that game is is di- it, it, people look at the game like oh it's not that great you know when when you look at what Days Gone is as a game as a whole it's fine but it's just not that bitch it's just not you know <laughs> look oh, let me let me I'm gonna I'm gonna okay and I uh. like your point about Ben just not being a very good studio Oof. because I, I I agree with you I I am not super familiar with the <laughs> with the uh siphon filter games so I'm gonna I want to ask you something I'm gonna I'm gonna go over these games and, and and you tell me whether or not these games are good these are Ben's last few games okay and I'm gonna start back all the way back with the first siphon filter do you like that one yes Siphon filter two. Yes. Siphon filter three. Uh, it's it's okay, I guess. It's all right. Siphon filter, the Omega Strand, which is the first one on PlayStation two. Uh, not good, to me. PlayStation filter, uh, uh, Siphon filter, Dark Mirror. Um, that's a PSP game, right? Yeah, it's yes, yes. It um, it wasn't bad. It was just mediocre. Siphon filter, Combat Ops. Mm-mm. I don't know what that is. Mm-mm. Okay, mm. Resistance Retribution. I don't know what that is. That's a it's a Resistance game, but it's in the it's a PlayStation Portable game. It might be the I don't know if it's a top down game from way back, but if that's the one oh, that I'm thinking of, be, and it yeah. was then it was pretty fun. But uh, if it's uh, not and it's something else, then I, I I haven't played it. And then Uncharted: Golden Abyss and Uncharted: Fight for Fortune. I haven't played either. To be honest, yeah, and so I heard that they weren't really that, that they weren't needle movers for the Uncharted series or, or anything like that. So, so basically, Ben is a studio that we've kind of just been waiting for them to finally bust out their net their next big game, their next Bubsy 3D. Bubsy, isn't that what they're uh, famous for? I isn't guess. that what got them Siphon Filter? I think it was. Yeah. Oh man. Anyways, yeah. uh, I, I, just just making the point. I, I think Siphon Filter is fine. It's no Metal Gear. No. Uh, but I, I really do think that, that Ben is just not that studio, unfortunately. But maybe they could prove us wrong here in the near future. Yeah. But yeah, so what are you what are you playing? Um, I'm actually playing Horizon Zero Dawn. So I'm just oh. kind of getting myself ready for um, Forbidden West, which is coming out pretty soon. So, uh, you know, I started so Horizon, to watch... 
What? Zero out of ten. Oh nice. my god, this man. Uh, no, no <laughs> zero dawn <laughs> is. Uh, yeah, I was gonna just YouTube like a summary of it because I know you asked me for one to kind of you know refresh your memory too. Yeah, and I actually just decided to go ahead and play it because I wasn't really playing anything else, and I thought, okay, fine. It's it's you know they put out sixty frames per second patch, so I'll just I'll just dabble. And I have to be honest, I think. It is better than I remembered. I, I to, and this is all just me. I know you have your own opinions about it, but I, I think sure, for me, um, the way that I experienced the game, what five years ago or so, is a lot different than this latest time around. Because I think I, I have a better understanding of what they were trying to do with the narrative, which again is not poetry at all. But I do see a little bit more of the tale of self-discovery for Aloy uh, when it comes to kind of going from being an outcast into, um, you know, a larger group uh, called the Nora and just how disorienting that is, how hard it was for her to actually make friends and, and, and um, you know, be a warm personality because she's so used to being on her own with, uh, with, with her, her, uh, her guardian Ross, who, who didn't make it very long in that game, but I, I get a little bit more of it now contextually, um, as far as why there weren't a lot of really cool story moments with her, because she's still kind of trying to come into her own, um, from what I'm seeing now, uh, coming into it with, with newer eyes. Um, I, I think that, you know, I also enjoy the world lore a lot more, uh, at least so far. It does get a little like nuts at, at the end with some of the yeah. the revelations Shit. and whatnot, but I do like the old world being the like our future kind of thing. Yeah, I do think yeah. that's a really cool concept. I hope that they are able to refine that a little bit more for, for Forbidden West um, and make that cooler than I think they made it in uh in the first game but i do think it's an interesting thing um it still looks relatively good uh in the 60 fps definitely helps um but i think still the combat for me is it's still the weakest part of that game uh easily um the bow and arrow stuff just feels very slow um you have like a dodge roll mechanic and things like that and you can kind of slide too but it never really feels, and especially the melee too. It's very, it's very slow. Um, nothing really feels um, good. Uh, it, it, it's just no better way of saying it. It just feels all very limp uh, from a gameplay standpoint. So I, I'm. That's kind of why I'm so excited after seeing a lot of the uh, Forbidden West trailers and gameplay. That like the action looks very actiony, and I'm I'm really excited to see if it, if the controls are good enough to make doing those moves we see in the trailer feel good as good as they look. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't have much else to say about it. It's a pretty old game, obviously, so I'm not going to yeah. dwell on it for well, too long. But I am kind of enjoying revisiting the world a little bit more than I than I expected. So I, I think, you know, for me, I, when I started playing that game, the first thing that kind of threw me off was Aloy as a kid's big-ass fucking head. Oh, big but head. The, but the <laughs> second thing that threw me off was the camera aspect kind of fucked me up a little bit. It, what do you it's, mean? It's... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I've never been able to kind of articulate exactly. It, it's not 
too close, like Years of War, right? It isn't on the shoulder. But it's, oh. it's not far enough like A Day's Gone or A Last of Us. No, it's I it's like in the saying. middle of those two things. And what the game is trying to accomplish with the combat, it, it kind of wants to have that fluidity, but it it, it just it's I think the camera's a little too close for that kind of yeah. stuff, so it just feels off. Um I did really enjoy the beginning of that game, world building and kind of everything with Aloy being um you know, she's been isolated from everything and then, and then bringing her back into the fold and, and being the winning that whole thing and being a, a what, do, what do they call it? I forgot. What a seeker, it. I think it's called. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, like, like a, yeah. it's like what a, what a specter is for Mass Effect, basically. You can do right, it whatever right. you want to do. <laughs> and all that thing, all that was great because of the way it was told. My problem is, is that halfway through that game, it, it, it changes to just basically you sitting in an abandoned building and, and the story is being told to you, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I really didn't enjoy that aspect. Of it. Plus, I wasn't already enjoying the combat. And, and so a lot of stuff for that game just kind of started falling apart for me. So that's why I'm super excited for, for, for Forbidden West. Because if the combat is excellent and the story is the same in terms of how they deliver it, I'll yeah. be okay with it because it's actually fun to play. But I'm hoping and wishing that the game, the combat is improved and the story, the way it's told, is is better told. But yeah, we'll see. We don't got much time here left before we uh, uh, before we, we get to experience that. So I'm pretty excited for that. This is true. All right, man. Well, uh, that's all we have for loadouts. Like we told you guys, it's a pretty light week until some new stuff comes out uh, later on this month. So we'll definitely keep you posted when we get games like Rainbow Six and and maybe even one of the games we're going to talk about in a short bit here uh, if we if we decide to go ahead and make that purchase too. So stay tuned for more on the loadout side. But for now, let's go ahead and transition into Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, and we have, uh, like I said at the top of the show, we have a lot of stuff to get through, man. So let's go ahead and get started uh, with this first news bit. So uh, as I just hinted at uh, a second ago, um, one of the games we've been keeping an eye on is uh, is, is Pokemon Legends Armrest, and so they have um, they have shown a 13 minute extended gameplay overview trailer. Uh, for the highly anticipated Pokemon Legends Ar- Arceus, I think is how they said it. I, I, I might give them a little bit of respect now on the name, so I, I, I won't I joke it's around. Alkaline battery. Alkaline, <laughs> alkaline water. Um, <laughs> so uh, apparently, you know, this this uh, 13 minute trailer has has uh, done a pretty good job of, of outlining the basics of exploration, Pokemon catching, battles, quests, customization, and more. Um, so, you know, I, I watched this a couple of times to kind of, you know, digest everything, but I want to kick it over to you first, man. Tell me what your takeaways were from this trailer and talk to me about how this kind of affected your anticipation or expectations of this uh, this new chapter of Pokemon. Pokemon for me has always been weird because I've never been a super fan of the IP in total, yet I've pretty much played every mainline Pokemon game uh, to date. Uh, with with Sword and Shield being the last one that I that, that I played and enjoyed, uh, you know, to a certain extent, actually, I actually enjoyed that one quite a bit. Uh, I'm over here, so I'm still trying to fake that I don't like these games. You see, <laughs> I, I gotta get over that shit. So with, with Pokemon um, Arceus, I I was pretty, I was I'm pretty much gonna buy it. Like I'm, I was already kind of set on buying it because I I always end up buying it. But I'll tell you what. And I'll be quite honest with you. This trailer did a lot for me. I mean, uh, there was a lot of of of, of kind of um, 
there's a little bit of a mystery left. I know they showed some of the game, but, you know, at first it's completely open world. And then they were like, it's the, you know, people were, were comparing it to the Breath of the Wild for Pokemon games. And then they, uh. they come out saying it's not specific. <laughs> I know, we hate it. And they're saying it's not specifically an, an entirely open world game. It's kind of like com- compartmentalizing. And so they started kind of backtracking. But this kind of pretty much put everything into perspective. And I, I'm really excited. Um, it's like Monster Hunter, but... Pokemon almost in the same yeah yeah one of the things that I like it's that it, it's it's in the era in which the game takes place where apparently Pokemon and humans are still kind of new to each other and so Pokemon actually act more like wildlife and they attack and they have personality some of the more shy Pokemon run away some of the more aggressive Pokemon actually attack you directly uh, I like the the kind of you don't have to go into a a, a, a battle in, in order to actually capture the Pokemon you can sneak up on them and, and just kind of in the real world uh, capture them um uh, Battles are apparently seamless. Like, you can be fighting a Pokemon, and another uh, Pokemon could stumble onto the battlefield and join, which is which is new. Um, like you said, it's, it's more like Monster Hunter, where you prep before you go into the open world. You prep in a little village, and then you go out to the open world and do what you have to do, and then come back. Um, I, I think that the Breath of the Wild stuff, uh, they're not shying away from, because those menus and those sounds are literally legit Breath of the Wild. I, I was fucking shocked. Oh, yeah. How it's much pretty, that shit it was, is pretty good. Too, yeah. It is. yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I think that um, resource collecting with Pokemon is cool. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you can send out Pokemon and have Pokemon that actually collect resources for you. So all that stuff is really interesting. It's a lot more different than the mainline, uh, other mainline Pokemon games, which I think that the, the series really needed to kind of break out of that. Uh, Sword and Shield kind of paved the way, uh, but they've definitely taken this to that next level. I, I don't think it's like revolutionary i think it is however a pretty big step in in a different direction comparatively speaking um my only issue that i'm still kind of uh uh, nervous about is everything that they've shown and they showed everybody is still hands off and we are two weeks less than two weeks away from the release what exactly why is it so? Why is it hands off? You know like, what else too? I, I noticed, and and I'll, I'll let you jump back in. But they also had on the top of the screen like gameplay not final. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? It's not final. This is like coming out in weeks. What you mean? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, and you know what's funny? Another thing about that, which also kind of was like, hmm, is every time they showed the character, they had that motherfucker meticulously slowly walking. I'm like, yeah. bitch, ain't nobody play like that. We run through that motherfucker. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm really, what I'm kind of getting at when I'm hinting towards is performance. I really hope this game, and look, I'm not expecting it to be like fucking solid 60, or even honestly solid 30, if it fluctuates under like 25. It's a switch, right? But, if they're doing all this shit to hide the fact that this this shit goes below twenty, mm. it's gonna be a problem, and 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 it is the only reason why I'm not one hundred percent like running out to go buy it, you know, or pre order it, is because if this game is 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 has a problem in terms of performance. There's not a lot of patches out there for the Switch that have come out to fix that. That's just what this game is going to be. No, and it's kind of like, hey, guys, take this game now. When the Pro comes out in about a year from now, we'll have an update or DLC. And then you guys can really enjoy for the actual vision we have for the game. And I hope that's not the case. I hope that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's true. And it's also an engine thing, too. Because, I mean, speaking of Monster Hunter Rise, I mean, if that is the closest comparison... 
tell you something, man. That game looks pretty solid for a Switch title, and it runs. That game is fucking really good. Magic, yo, it's magic on the Switch. I'm telling you, that engine is no joke. So I, I, that's why I've been a little harsh on on this game with how the performance Shit, stuff. I want to play Monster Hunter Rise. Yo. And and on top of that, and this is getting into my notes now, so I might as well just jump right in. But oh, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game is ugly. A game is ugly. Um, you know, I, I watched this on my laptop monitor, on my phone, and I, w- I had to double check that this was in 1080p. Like, I had it set on YouTube to 1080p and not like 480p or something. I'm not you know, even sure I, if this I game is get, coming in HD at all. I would be shocked. I didn't get, I didn't get ugly from it. Oh. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I definitely know what you mean, but I just, for whatever reason... I, I I'm hoping that I it's like I, I'm hoping that it's YouTube compression or something like that that's could be. Ma- making it look this way, but it's looking bad. Um, yeah, even even the texture work and like the the terrain, it just everything looks so flat. They were talking about like the for you can explore the forest. I'm like, what forest? There's like three trees in, over there in the distance. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Like, so I I and I'm not just saying okay, just it's not eye candy enough for me. I do think that it takes away some of the excitement of of exploring some of that air like those areas because it it that that game cannot handle a whole lot on screen so i do think to your earlier point i think that it's a very it's a very intentional showing of this game um so that you don't so that you don't see pokemon popping in and out of view from a few feet away uh or like grass blades of grass or trees and stuff like that i think they were very deliberate with how they showed this off um so i don't have a lot of faith in this looking great in, in the final version and again, I know that's not why people come to play Pokemon. They don't come to play for like a performance showcase. But if you're going to go this big with Pokemon, it, it, at least look on par. If we're going to talk Breath of the Wild so much, how about look at least somewhere in the ballpark of that? Because that came out in 2017 and that looks better than this, right? So I, oh, I, yes, I think but... I think that's a, that's a big detractor for me. Another thing, and I know it doesn't sound like a big one and it might sound petty at first, but I actually mean this. There's a lot of throwing in this game. You're throwing Pokeballs, you're throwing uh, food, you're throwing this, you're throwing that. It's a lot of throwing going on in this game. And so... What's throwing? It's a lot of throwing, and, and and I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but I don't want the the main crux of this gameplay to be throw food over there. Here comes the Pokemon to go eat it. Switch over to a Pokeball. Throw the Pokeball. Hope it connects. That doesn't work. I'll throw they- one of my Pokeballs out, and here's a battle. And then I then I can throw another Poke. It's it, it it just sounds they kind of like a lot a, to me. Like a great game has that. Uh, has a a thirty second cycle of gameplay that is consistently like, like really pleasing. You know, yeah. That's why people love Doom, uh, Halo, Halo, yeah, single yeah. player, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if in fact, like you said, the main crux of this is is, is throwing a lot. I agree. I, I, you know, when you said throwing, I'm like, what the fuck? And then I, one hundred percent, because you got to think if, about if, like Pokemon Go, yeah. and you know, they're, they're kind of trying to incorporate a little of that flavor into this game too so yeah. it's a lot of throw if you go back and watch it again you're gonna notice they be throwing stuff in this game uh <laughs> oh shit yeah 
I think Everywhere. I think if you're a Pokemon fan, and I know a few Pokemon fans, they're gonna love this game. Because, oh, for sure, for sure. And, and it's not and it's not blind love. I do think that if you're a Pokemon fan, I think that this is kind of the thing you've been waiting for. Maybe a little bit more, for sure. Oh, but yeah. I, I do think this is the step in the right direction. Oh yeah, no but, doubt. You know, no a, doubt. as 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 kind of, I guess we could call each other fair weather fans when it comes to Pokemon IP, especially games. Uh, you. I think you're less of a fan than I am, um, but um, in in that way, I, I I think that this game, um, is is is. It's taking a, a a pretty big chance, and I think that it has to deliver on those kind of promises in order to to capture everybody's attention. Otherwise, you know, you know what game I think about, and, and we just we kind of praised it, but it's weird, Monster Hunter Rise. Is a game that runs great, but it still kind of doesn't do too much different. And when you look at all the game of the years and, and people talk about, nobody's talking about Monster Hunter Rise, and it's a game that people generally adored. Mm-hmm. But man, no, it's, it's not very even niche, showing up in you know? top ten. Yeah, you know, and you're right. I think um, it, this is the game that that people really wanted. Uh, if you're a Pokemon fan, because you want the openness, you want the vastness of of that sort of thing. And I do think that stuff looks really good. But at the end of the day. There are quests that you have to do. And the other thing that I noticed about this is they showed kind of an example quest in this as well of like uh, what, a, what a basic side quest would be like. And boy, did that look boring. Um, it, it was a boring looking quest. Uh, all you got out of doing all that work from going back out into the open field, doing what you got to do, coming back to the guy who gave you the quest is you get a potion if you look closely. So I'm like, all right, ah, that doesn't. See, that's that's the stuff I, I, I get worried about because people are getting yeah. so, even fans of the Pokemon series, getting so stuck up on like, oh, but it's so open and it's so open world and it's this and that. But the quests are what this is going to come down to at the end of the day, right? Because you got to have some type of goal or, or purpose to do what you're doing out there. Um, and if that's the kind of quest you're getting and they thought that was cool enough to show on a video like this, I'm a little worried about what what the hell kind of side quests they have in store yeah. as well and, and how dull those might be. So um, I, agree. I, I agree. I think the only other thing I'll say is I think the combat styles look pretty cool, the strong style stuff and all that. I think the combat looks pretty good. So I hope, um, I hope going back to the throwing thing that I was talking about, that there's plenty of opportunities for combat and it's not just, you know, a, a rare, like more of a rarity. I don't think that'll be right. the case, but um, they, they did seem to dwell a lot on just the basic act of, um, you know, equipping a Pokeball throwing it and catching a Pokemon without much much work so hopefully sure. further in the game when you start coming across more of the rare Pokemon some of the alphas that they talked about um, you'll get more of that combat challenge on a, on a pretty consistent basis but otherwise yeah I mean yeah. I'm still on the fence but I'm still I'm still looking forward to it I'm just gonna wait for reviews though I'm not gonna lie yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of interested to see exactly where those review those reviews land, and if they're good enough for us for you to to, to kind of take that step to buy. I'm I'm interested to see where our kind of opinions, uh, kind of fall. Yeah, uh, I know Justin, which is in front of the show, is a huge Pokemon fan, so we'll see where what he thinks. Uh, we'll know if he goes. It's fine. <laughs> He'll never say it's bad. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the second hit points uh, story of the show. Uh, and this one's a very interesting one. Uh, a well-known yeah, and uh, fairly historically accurate leaker by the name of Nate the Hate 
has confirmed, air quotes, uh, a Metroid Prime remake and a new Fire Emblem uh, that's set to arrive later this year for Switch. Uh, he went on to reveal that, uh, unfortunately, Xenoblade, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 will likely be pushed to 2023 uh, because it needs more time for polish, while nah. on the uh, other side of the JRPG coin, Persona 6 is gearing up to be a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, he also mentioned that that Persona 4 uh, Golden is probably going to come to Switch in PS4 slash 5, which I think makes a lot of sense too. Um, but just thinking about some of these, uh, you know, these these bits of this of this leak, um, though not particularly earth shattering rumors per se. What do you make of them if these are true? Well, I, I want to start kind of in the middle. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 will get pushed to 2023, not because it needs polish, just because. A breath of the wild too. It's coming out in fall of twenty twenty four. Now, I, I listen. The, the rumor was is that that game was coming out last year. Need a whole year of polish. I don't. I don't. That's the one that I'm. I'm kind of shaky about. I. It's either coming out in December, like the like uh like the other one did, or it's being pushed because uh they're 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 Nintendo's gearing up for a. Uh, uh, a fall that might not include uh, Xenoblade Chronicles because it, it, it sells well. It's just not in in the same kind of uh, in the, in the same kind of league as as a as a Zelda or a Mario kind of game. For sure. Um, yeah. As for Fire Emblem, um, yeah, man, I, I, I Fire uh, Three Houses was fantastic. Um, not a uh, kind of strategy RPG guy. But I definitely love that. Um, yeah, same. We, we've talked. To, have we? Didn't we talk about the the, the permadeath shit and, and and me being upset about permadeath? Yeah, I think at some point um, we talked about it. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and that makes sense about you know how it's not re- like recognized you know as well as it should be. But it didn't seem like it yeah. was like the the like it, it's it's the way the cool kids play it. But it didn't seem like it was the way the game was built to be played. Yeah, uh, that's so upsetting. Like we we lost people, and the game barely fucking talked about that shit. And it was, you know, I wish that they did a little more with that. If they were, if they improve on that, that'd be awesome. Um, and, and in terms of the Metroid Prime remake, yeah, I think that those rumors have been out for a while. In terms of the trilogy, uh, one of the things that I think I heard last year was that the Prime, the first game, was ready. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be a trilogy or it's just going to be the one. If we can just get the first one completely remade from the ground up, I, I, I'm game for that. Yeah, apparently, because, apparently it's for like the Metroid anniversary too. So to celebrate yeah. it. Well, see, as we know, Nintendo don't give a fuck about no goddamn anniversaries. <laughs> releasing a Zelda game during the Mario you anniversary. Are still <laughs> high sodium about that, man. You got to relax. Well, I mean, it's just weird. I, listen, they released a Zelda game in the year of the Mario anniversary and released a Mario game in the year of the Zelda. Yeah, they don't give never no never going to let this go. Let it go. But, um, got uh, Haiti and, and you it, let and it, it out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the Persona 6 being uh PlayStation exclusive, I think that's, you know, for me, that's pretty obvious in that no, uh, no mainline, uh, Persona games ever come out on anything, but a PlayStation. Yeah. I mean, it uh, is, it, it is a little interesting because I know that Phil Spencer has been really trying to cozy up with Sega, um, and, and, and Atlas to see what he can kind of what he can kind of swing for for Xbox, I mean, but uh, it, it still doesn't I still think doesn't make sense to see yeah. Persona Six drop with uh, you know at least on on day one. You know what I mean? That's right, and that's what I'm that. I still think that Persona Six or even Five or Royal uh, could come out yeah. on an Xbox console. Just it's not going to be day one. I think nah. I don't know what that's about. I, that's an interesting kind of. St- 
I don't know why that game specific specifically is such a, a PlayStation stalwart at this point. Like, it, but hey, it is what it is. I, I um, but yeah, I, I think these are these are great little rumors and they seem very believable. I, my, my only issue has nothing to do with these games. It's the fact that 2022 is so goddamn. Yeah, they got to chill, man. This is a lot. This is a lot. It's like getting daunting now because I, I really want to take my time and enjoy the games that are coming out. But if, I mean, it's already looking stacked without these announcements officially happening. If, if this stuff is true, along with everything yeah. else, like, I don't know how I'm going to budget out my and, time, dude. <laughs> it's going to be hard. I don't hard. know if I've ever, yeah, and I don't know if I've ever kind of said this on the podcast, but I am having a child in April. You have and not. I you have a baby. Not, having a, a a baby boy, and I do not know how this year is going to go for me in terms of gaming. Obviously, I'm not even going to pretend and tell you that. I, oh well, well the baby's a little baby. I'm gonna. I have no idea how that shit's going to go. I'm not <laughs> going to pretend. But so many games this year. This is the kind of. This is probably going to be the year where I have to do like hard stops and games that I know that I'm never going to finish. Uh, or, or, or not give a chance to a game that I'm not too sure about, uh, because yeah. it's just too much. Uh, and, and, and I love Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, too. I never finished it. So that's going to be a game. If it, if it were to come out this year, probably it would have to skip just, yeah. and, and it sucks because I love RPGs, you know, but you know, it's going to be a really weird year and I've never played a Metroid Prime game in its, as a whole is this going to be, is it, if it's slightly remade, it's just kind of up res. I don't know if I'll play, well, here's you know, kind of like with Diablo 2. I mean, the reality uh, is, dude, it, like, you know, and, and we're both terrible at this. And obviously, you know, we, we try to run a podcast and we want to be able to talk about what's, what's, you know, the zeitgeist, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like, we want to be right. a part of that. But at some point, we got to like, we got to admit like, okay, these games aren't going anywhere. Like we can, we can play them whenever we have the chance to get to them and it's all right. You know, it doesn't cheapen our opinions or anything. It's just a matter of, and I I have a, I have a kid too, for the record. Um, she's a a three-nager, uh, if, if you shall. Uh, and you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a little hard sometimes, you know, and even when I have time, sometimes I'm too burned out from, you know, parenting to even want to play or some or work or whatever, you know? So it's just, it's, you know, it's grown folk life, but you know, I, I have to make my peace about that now because this year is, it's almost like two years in one essentially. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, you you can't keep up. There's no way. Yeah. It basically is. You just can't keep up. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to kind of round out my thoughts about these rumors, I think, um, I think all this stuff makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I can definitely see Metroid Prime getting a remake uh, out this year. I think uh, it's time for a Fire Emblem, though I can see Nintendo deciding to hold off on that until next year. Um, just to kind of, you know, give some other games some breathing room, especially if Breath of the Wild comes out, then Metroid's going to get swallowed up whole and it's not going to be good. That's what I was going to um, say. I think it contingent on Breath of the Wild. The Breath yeah. of the Wild 2 is out. I think a lot of these games might see it dep- uh, early next exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and as far as, um, you know, Xenoblade, I'm a Xenoblade fan. I like Xenoblade a lot. Um, but if it's, uh, there's nothing to gain by trying to squeeze it out um, this year, I think give it time, put it out in 2023. Hopefully by then people will have an appetite after clearing all the backlog they're going to have from 2022 games to get to that. Uh, and then with Persona 6, I mean, it's, it, you know, to me, it's it seems like it's almost Final Fantasy Syndrome where it's so, I guess, synonymous with PlayStation that it just kind of becomes a PlayStation exclusive, just sort of 
by default, uh, which is weird, but it's just kind of how it works. And and I, I, I get it. Until until it's not, because Final Fantasy is a long run. Exclu- oh, it might be again, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a whole other rumor mill about that, too. But yeah, it, it but, you know, to me, I, I think all this stuff makes sense. I'm excited to see what these games actually look like more than anything. But um, but 2022's got me got me you wincing. Know, what I would. <laughs> What I was thinking, I remembered now, is that one of the rumors that I've heard, you know, through through the through social media, was that uh, Xenoblade, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Three was having issues running on Switch. Uh, Shocker! And and so, but here's the thing: what's interesting about that is the fact that they're making it for the Switch. So yeah. the fact that you know, so maybe it's because of that that they're probably going to push it back as well for the for the pro. Maybe uh, whatever that does maybe. come out, that could be it. Part, um, I mean, yeah. it, the we'll problem see. is, and, and they're probably one of many studios that are experiencing this. But like, if you want to like expand and evolve your game, and the Switch can't handle it, you kind of have to make the same game all over again, you know. And I, I'm, right. I'm sure they want to evolve, but they can't. And Xenoblade Chronicles Two was is, is a nice looking game. Yeah, you know? it looks I, good. I like a lot of what good it does. Good art style, good everything. But, yeah. To have a three come out and just kind of look exactly the same would be a little bit like, yeah, I don't want that. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on, man. So um, we're going to get into VR territory here. Me and Pablo haven't really talked a lot about VR, but we're going to we're going to kind of go in and and kind of, you know, give you our take about it based on this story. Uh, Sony has revealed the PSVR 2, which is their next gen um, VR headset for PS5. Higher resolution displays for each eye, faster refresh rates, a wider field of view, improved tracking and input, and new controllers are just some of the device's biggest improvements over its predecessor. Its price and backwards compatibility support have not yet been confirmed, and additionally, Horizon Call of the Mountain has been announced as a spin-off title for the PS uh, VR 2 as well. So Pablo, what do we make of this? Uh, in terms of the Sony side, and just where do we stand, just in general, it, with VR gaming in 2022? Where are you at? Well, before I go there, I, there's also like certain other specs. Like for example, it's OLED, right, display, and it has 2000 by 2004, uh, 2040 per I, which I I don't know what that means, but I hear it's impressive. It I hear is. It's, it, it's, like, it's pretty. It's a pretty it's big impressive. leap, yeah, compared to some of the other headsets uh, out there, for sure. And then four cameras for headset and controller tracking, along with eye tracking, which is, uh, you know, one of those things that's also I hear yeah. is pretty impressive that they're doing. And then there's half haptic feedback on mm-hmm. headset, which just screams uh, headache. Uh, <laughs> and then other thing, it's like rumor is that it's focusing not only on on uh, on exclusive to the uh, VR, but but also it, a lot of hybrid experiences where games that you can play both. On uh, on the regular PS5 and 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 the headset. Listen, I I, I think and and kind of to answer your, your question, I think VR is a cool experience, but it isn't for me a core gaming experience. Like I I don't think I'll be missing out on the full PS5 experience if I don't get a PS VR too. You know, hell no. Uh, I, yeah, and, and and plus when I when I play video games. I, I don't I don't do it to escape my reality. I don't need to be in <laughs> the game to experience the game. I don't think any of my favorite games of all time would benefit from a VR experience. Like the way I look at it is this way, and, and kind of how I kind of in my head how I how how I I, I, I do this is would Ocarina of Time benefit from uh, being remade from the ground up on the Breath of the Wild engine? Yes. 
I think that it would be a really dope experience to see that. Uh, would Ocarina of Time benefit from being remade from the ground up for VR? Hell no! <laughs> Look, I, I just think that VR is 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 a is one of those futurist things where flying cars, you know, I those things that people thought the future would be. Where I think that VR is 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 a a, a more acceptable form of that, but it's ultimately not why I play games. It's ultimately not why I, I, I want to play games. I don't want to wear a headset and live in a virtual world. I think Ready Player One, uh, you know, tries to, to talk about that future. That shit sucks. <laughs> that movie and that book. But that's another conversation <laughs> oh, for the day. No. I, I okay. just don't like that. Yeah, I just don't like that in terms of, of, of a gaming experience. I actually do think, and this is, might be a little bit kind of like uh, spicy, I do think that VR and gaming are different. Video VR and gaming, like PSVR, I, I think PSVR with the kind of like the, the success of Oculus 2 is more of a um, consumer, like, like, a, like a casual thing, you know? It is, you, yeah. You it's almost like, people- the, it's like the Wii. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you see a lot of people, and, I, and I've seen uh, TikToks and, and, and Twitter and YouTube and somebody's uncle getting a, yeah, uh, uh, exactly. a uh, Oculus Rift, uh, Oculus Quest 2. Like, and, and ha- him having a good time, but it, it's it, it just doesn't feel, and I hate to say this because I think it's so lame, as a quote-unquote hardcore gamer, I, I don't think that I, anything about uh, uh, the a PlayStation VR, and not specific to PSVR, but more or less to um, just the VR experience as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's not my thing. So much so, and, and I hate to bring this up before we get into the console wars, that Microsoft, the video game division, Xbox, is not even interested in that. They they literally do not have a headset for that. But, you know, uh, I think to each their own. I think everybody's finding their niche in that, in, in that kind of market. Uh, but, yeah. So cool. so how I, I think this is so how do you think this is going to come in before I jump in where do you think this is going to come in in terms of price uh, and and or, or what is it going to take from Sony to make this a uh, as close to a must have as possible uh, if they're if they're yeah, trying to market this what they got to do I don't I don't know I don't know if they can make it seem like a must have I think the way they do that is get like they're doing with uh with um, Horizon Zero Dawn doing some kind of spin off to that where it's a it's a it's a yeah. VR experience. Uh, but I'll, I think they'll use those names. They'll use like their first party studio ga- games to, to make these things, to make it seem not only for consumers, but uh, for uh, casuals, but for people who are a little more hardcore in the gaming verse. I just, pricing, I don't know. It can't, it's hard because when you look at the specs, it looks super beefy. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what Oculus Quest 2 is at the highest uh, price point is I think uh, $399. Um, I think, I think, Honestly, in order for it to make sense, it would be two ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I just think that's kind of cheap. So, for for what they're they're bringing to the table, so I I don't know. Sony's not really like Xbox where they're willing to take a loss up front. So okay. I, I I do think that ultimately they might want this to be a an experience for everybody to have. I think what's going to end up happening, it's going to be kind of like an elitist type of thing where. It's probably going to end up being five hundred dollars, equal to the price of the of a console. And the reason it is the same price because they're going to kind of market it as a different experience, as kind of its own thing. Uh, but got you, know, you. Um, it is what it is. All right, at that point. So I got bad news, man. Uh, for VR, VR is not going to make it. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I I don't think VR as a gaming 
uh, avenue is going to ever be what people hope it will be. I think VR is going to be a cool novelty for gaming, but it will never really be as viable as a pure console or like a switch type of experience. Um, I think it's going to play a big role with like the metaverse stuff and, and, you know, kind of that, that whole landscape that that's, that's happening there. Um, but here's, here's the five reasons why I think VR is going to continue to struggle, whether it's Sony or Oculus or Steam Deck or whatever. Reason number one is the price. Um, the, the price is, is at this point, it's not really smart to buy a VR headset at the price that they're at. Now, yes, Oculus is coming in a little bit more affordable at an entry point of $299, which is nice, but, and this kind of leads into my next point, there are better ways to spend your money on gaming. There just is. You can buy a whole secondary console. You can buy an Xbox. You can buy a Switch. You can buy, actually, look, mid-range to high high-end TVs are becoming more affordable by the day. You can go buy yourself a really, really good TV that you can get multi-uses out of. You can watch your shows. You can get a lot more bang for your buck out of that than buying this novelty item that you can only use for VR purposes. So it's just not the smartest way to spend that that loose change, so to speak. So it's a lot more than that, but that's what I mean. Um, The other reason why is because, let's, let's face it, the game catalog is underwhelming. Very it's much so. really, really underwhelming. There's a handful of games like Half-Life Alex, uh, Resident Evil 7 was a standout. There's a few others that are really cool um, to try out, but a lot of it is just, I don't want to call it shovelware, but it's mostly just kind of the throwaway, cool tech demo-ish type of stuff um, that isn't, again, enough to warrant spending that much money to get a chance to play just because it's cool and it's VR, right? And, and when you look at that as well is you have to entice others that are not just the casuals. And the only game that's ever had me interested at all is Half-Life Alex. We're talking about one game out of one. all these games that come out. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, you know, and, and the th- reason number four is and a lot of people don't talk about this, but it's um it's very hard to market VR games. If you've ever watched a VR game trailer, they look ridiculous. Yeah. You see a lot of these games are first person obviously, but you'll see like floating hands which represent your hands in the VR, but it, like if you ever seen like the Skyrim H, uh, VR trailer, yeah. you just see these like floating arms like that, that it just looks dumb. And then what they try to do to to offset like the VR experiences, they'll hire some paid actor to wear the headset on the trailer and act like they're in awe of oh my god, look at this. It, it's so corny. And so it's really hard to sell people on the the experience of playing that VR game because the the trailer itself isn't in VR, right? You right. know, um, and the last and arguably most damaging reason is that studios and developers and publishers are trying to monetize these days. How do you monetize a VR game? How yeah. do you do that? 
Well, it, it's already it's already coming out to a smaller market of people. Um, you have a lot less chance of 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 pulling in uh, you know good sales. And on top of that, what are you really going to do to to monetize a VR game when it's mostly just you kind of flailing around and doing random stuff in these little throwaway games? So it's not going to be profitable enough for the Ubisofts of the world, the EAs of the world. They might throw one or two projects at it just to kind of get some sliver of the pie and see what they can do. But I don't see it being viable for them financially. I, I think it goes two ways too, because you got the publishers who don't see that uh, the being you know economically viable, but then you also have the creatives, the develop developers who are are either going to be uh, you know developing for a PlayStation Five or Xbox Series X, or they that's right they fall back to a limiting tech to to make something in VR. Why? Yeah, I don't think they want to do that. And and that yeah. goes to show that they don't want to do that because there has not been that significant killer besides Half-Life Alex. That's Valve who's super fucking weird at the, the shit they do. I, you know, Gabe Newell is just kind of like I yeah. want to prove that I can do this shit and he he did it. That you know, that, yeah. that's it. That, it's kind of like But but when are you going to get another game like that from yeah. them again? You know, look how long it <laughs> We're took. So waiting for Half-Life 3. <laughs> All of them, Left 4 Dead three, uh, all the threes, yeah. Portal three. I was, I'd love to see a Portal VR. That would be fire. Uh, full oh, blown Portal game. Vomit City, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Um, but you know, yeah. I mean, I just don't think VR stands a chance. I really yeah. don't. And yeah, I could yeah, be yeah. wrong. I'll, I'll eat my words if I have to. But it's just too much working against them. And and listen, listen, man. Console gaming, the the the, the TV, the console, the controller experience is undefeated. At the end of the day, after all these different fads that have come and gone, peripherals here, waggle, all that stuff, cameras and and motion controls, at the end of the day, nothing has ever ousted the core experience of playing a console game. And and I just don't understand the obsession with trying to overthrow that. It's not going to happen. It's trying to find the next big thing. It's all it is. It's all it is. So I mean, I hope for the best. I hope it's cool. You know, I, I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to, you know, say, oh wow, you know, VR turned out to be pretty dope. I'm just not seeing it. I'm yeah. not seeing it. So, but uh, let's go ahead and move on to the fourth item on the hit points. In a tweet from earlier this month, Techland revealed that Dying Light 2's campaign will take 500 hours, 500 uh-huh. to complete. <laughs> as uh, I guess as marketing hype for their highly anticipated sequel to the 2015 predecessor. I'm surprised it's been that long. Um, they have since revised that claim, stating that the story content is actually 20 hours long and that the main and side missions total out to about 80 hours uh, with doing literally everything coming in at 500, I guess. I still don't know what that fully means. But with this marketing ploy... Um, how has this affected your thoughts on Dying Light 2 and, and this studio? I mean, uh, this game has been in development for a while, um, and it's been delayed. And one of the things that kind of worries me is the developing team, the, the publishers, all that. They seem to be a little bit out of um, out of touch uh, because, you know, one of the things that they did a couple of uh, months ago is, is, is talk about the game uh, in a way, well, talk hype up the fact that we're about to talk about the game, and then just had a video of them just all standing there. Hey, soon enough we'll be talking about the game. It's like a hype, <laughs> like a hype video for 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 the actual shit. So, yeah, my issue here stems from the fact that 
they're leading with how long the game is. Nobody does this anymore. We had a conversation nope. about this, Marco. Nobody, no huge studio is like, by the way, <laughs> 150 hours to beat our game, baby. Nobody's talking about that shit no more. We heard the feedback. You want a 500-hour video yeah, game about it zombies. Seems, it just seems they're boasting about shit that nobody gives a fuck about whether that's them being out of touch again or them not having much to talk about or not wanting to overpromise in any way shape or form i i think that you know i'm still confused about the 500 hour claim going to 80 then then saying but you could beat the game in 20 like like what exactly what exactly is this game like what i don't know what kind of bullshit uh Click on the map and see 900 different things I can do at one time kind of game is this going to be. Because I hate that shit. Like, it's overwhelming as fuck. I'm going to I'm gonna bust this motherfucker down to, to, to easy, do main missions mm. only, and still prove their ass wrong when I beat the game in 15 hours. I'm not playing. Like, listen. <laughs> That's because you put it on easy, though. <laughs> I just, I just don't, I just, I don't understand what they're doing here. It sounds messy. <laughs> this game seems messy. I, 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 I like the first Dying Light. I'm looking forward to Dying Light 2, but I, I'm not exactly sure what Techland's doing over there. And, and, and the way they're talking about this game is just like... Look, when the first this game first got announced and people were talking about it, whoever was behind this was really talking about the different kinds of ways the story can go. How you can miss entire sections of the map based on... They're not talking about that anymore. Whether that's in the game or not, or whether they just shift their focus on what they want to talk about. But... I'd rather hear shit like that than hear about 500 hours the same amount of time you can walk to Warsaw. Yo. I'm like, yo, they're, what they're the from f- Poland. They don't talk like that, son. Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They've got 500 hours here in Poland. Hey, of, uh, I, Good uh, old gameplay. Poland is the Texas of Europe, I hear. From um, Poland. But, uh, <laughs> But it's like, what what kind of shit is that? When people are about to read that, like, you meaning it could take me just as much time to walk to Warsaw? And also, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this is a guy to say Warsaw. <laughs> Why it gotta be Warsaw? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yo, yeah, man, I I, 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 I'm not with the shits here. I, I don't really think that this is... Oh my god. I don't think this means anything. I, I'm still excited about Dying Light 2. I will say yeah, that Dying Light 2 has now become absolutely contingent on its reviews. 100%. For well, I already pre-ordered this one. I, I I I think you're right. I just to me they haven't shown me anything on the gameplay side with any content I've seen at, at all that has made me go uh, I don't, I don't know. There's something that's kind of, you know, yeah, 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 they've omitted a lot of things from their initial reveal. And I'm, and, and look, let's just be realistic. The project probably is a different thing than what it was when we first saw it in terms of like the not, scale. And right. yeah. I hope not too, but I, I'm, it, you're right. They would have, they would have kept leaning into that. Um, you know, the choice stuff more if it was still as extensive as it, as it was. Um, because what they didn't say in this whole 500 hour thing is that you have to play the game multiple times to see the full game. I don't think, right? Did they say anything about multiple playthroughs? They haven't, or no? they haven't specifically used that verbiage, but in terms of how they're, they're, they've explained the 500 hours, it does seem like you would have to play the game at least four times. 
Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I think like because that's that's the thing. That's kind of what what would be, be the giveaway is if because if you make a certain choice that eliminates a whole portion of the game, then the only way you're going to be able to do that and complete the game is if you make the alternate choice in a second playthrough. You know what I mean? I, I think that the games will have a lot of choices. I, I think it's funny because I think the way that they talked about the game in terms of missing a whole section, they've only specifically talked about one section, whether you get to flood it or not flood it. And that might be the only section that has that huge, massive kind of um, consequence to it. And they might have oversold it a little bit, so that's probably mm. why they're not talking Maybe. about it too much. But I do think that the way they've spoken about it is that there will be a lot of choices and different ways you can go about it. Whether or not it's going to be significant in any way. I mean, you make a lot of choices in Fallout games, but you know th- there is a finite amount of endings to that game still so and that's still a wonderful right. game um you know it's just it's just weird marketing all around for me when it comes to oh yeah dying light yeah it makes no it was totally an unforced error yeah created more confusion than it did excitement learn your lessons and then and then it's coming out in february which is stacked and it's like only a couple of weeks after uh forbidden west i i, I just i don't know what this game is it scares me this game could be a hidden gem uh but it could be a fucking mess. I don't know, man. Well, I'll, I'll be there to try it. So, you know, I'll, you let I'll, me know. I'll give you the, I'll give you the good word. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into our last hit point item of the show. Uh, as announced on Twitter, Stalker 2's new release date is now December, according to its developer, uh, GSC Game World, citing a need to, quote, fulfill our vision and achieve the desired state of the game. After enduring roughly a decade's worth of troubled development, not to mention the recent backlash regarding the inclusion of NFTs and those empty assurances on how it wouldn't affect their focus on the core game, (laughs) how much egg is on the face of this developer right now, in your opinion? Hey, listen, we're going to put NFTs in the game, but it's not going to affect the core of the game. Never mind, mm. we're taking them off. We're, we're going to delay the game by nine we're fucking We're right on months, track. By seven months. Listen, okay. I guess the attitude here would be 10 years in the making, we could wait eight more months. That should be the attitude. Here's the issue why I, 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 don't, I don't subscribe to that kind of attitude. Um, it's because I've always said this game seems more like vaporware than an actual game. Uh, look, how do you go from two months out to needing the end of the year, to the end of the year to, to kind of c- complete this game? Uh, look, one of the things that I've always seen was their weird presentation styles. Um, one of the, before E3, they talked about teeth. Showing teeth. And nonsensical bullshit. Like, almost like, don't worry about Ugly the game, teeth. but look at this teeth. Look at these teeth. It just seems Donkey like they teeth. were distracting us with bullshit. <laughs> To hide the fact that they had a lot of nothing. I mean, yeah. And as the release date approaches, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think that this game is coming out this year. And I hate to do that because I, one of my pet peeves about all the podcasts that I hear, which I love, but you know, it still bothers me, is how how people are, are, are predicting and so sure about it and kind of acting like every game this year is going to be delayed. Like if it were up to all the podcasts, zero games are coming out this year. But I, I think that Stalker 2 is a perfect example of a game that just isn't ready for prime time. And well, I don't and not think only we're going to but- see it for a while. But December too? Like you've already missed the boat. Like that's already you know it's well known that you're past kind of the holiday deadline. You know what you I mean? Be, like a, only games that could do that shit are the games that came out in December. Halo. That's it. 
That's it. That's it. And Cyberpunk came out because obviously it just had to come out before fiscal whatever. But right. you know, and and, and one, the only example of a game that kind of came out and was great was um, uh, oh my god, the, the third part of the here we go, here we go, guys. It's here. Every We're doing it. Year, We're doing Far it. Cry Three, Far Cry Three came out in oh, December okay. and it was and it was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't believe in this game. I never believed in this game. I've always thought that, you know, they probably got some money behind them with the Xbox, but I really think that... Marco, I have a disturbing pattern about Xbox. Should you got I, a lot of disturbing patterns, by the should way. I bring that up, should I bring that up now, or should we wait for the first party stuff? I should let's, bring it let's, up. Let's, well, you want to bring it... I mean, if you think it's more relevant now than it I is I think later, it's relevant now. All right, talk This about delay scares me more than, than, than just because of stock or two. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, Halo Infinite got delayed a year. Okay? Mm. Xbox new tri- quadruple-A studio initiative has brought on Crystal Dynamics to code of the Perfect Dark. Everwild didn't even make it past the pre-production before they scrapped it and restarting. Mm-hmm. Uh, very little is known about Redfall, which is supposed to come out in less than six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, State of Decay 3 being announced and still apparently years away. And nothing solid in terms of Fable. Nope. I'm scared, bro. I love hey, Xbox. I love Xbox. T- listen, we, we will get into that later. I'm scared. Uh, I, have th- I have some thoughts. I'm with you, and I'm, I got some other takes, too. Yeah. But yeah, I, you're right. I mean, this is just another example of, man, can Xbox pick them or can they pick them? You know what I'm yeah, saying? I'm like, it, this, is, this is just weird. Like, anyway. That's kind of ridiculous. It's obviously not Xbox's fault. They, they, they thought they had, you know, they thought they had, you know, a pretty good banger, and they might. Who I knows, don't know, but, man. I think it comes to a certain point where you look at the, 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 the games that Sony has picked in indie games yeah. and other things, and you look at Xbox, is like, I feel like out of desperation came Game Pass, and out of desperation almost came paying the studio to make soccer for them. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe. Because, I mean, I haven't I mean, even had a Crossfire X, which is being made by an incredible studio, uh, the storyboard, mm-hmm. and it's still got the... I might even talk about Scorn, which is supposed to be a release title, and it's not good. The medium was not good. We're going to... Oh. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. We're going we're gonna to get... Yeah, we're going to get that going. Yeah, and I, I just, mean, as I far just as I'm to, concerned... Yeah. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean no, I just want to bring that because I get accused of being an Xbox fanboy, but I got concerns. Uh, hey, man. So what, what do you think about soccer? Talk to me. I think it's booty juice of the week, baby. Hey, 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 yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, oh, no. See, look, here's here's the thing. All of what you said is right, but the, the thing that I'm stuck on is this NFT thing. Yeah. Bro, you had the audacity to sit here and announce some NFT nonsense when you knew full well you did not have this game anywhere near ready for its original launch date the audacity that it took to sit there and get on your twitter account and tell people your focus is still on the core game no it wasn't your focus was on cashing in on something that's trendy uncertain and potentially financially interesting and what you did was you you prioritize things in a messed up way and guess what you got exposed because when you 
moved the NFT stuff out of the way and you took a look at what you really had going on with your game, you realized you didn't have this stuff done. This game is not ready. You're probably still working on designing more teeth. I don't know what you're doing, but this game was not ready. And, and at no point, and you've been saying this for a while, you've, you've been calling it borderline vaporware. Obviously it's going to come out at some point. Um, I want to say year or so. I want to say obviously, but, but but they've never made you feel like this game is even close. Yeah. Even when they showed it off at E3 last year with that long eight minute thing that they did, the game still looked like like early, like early, early. Like yeah. they just did enough to it make it. Definitely looked like a vertical slice. Right, and then and then you want to do NFTs. I'm sorry. Focus. I have no remorse for studios like this. They got exposed. Your priorities were out of line and out of, uh, out of order. And you've been doing this with this game for a decade. Twelve, 2012. We've been trying to get this game on shelves for, for 10 years. And you're, you're having a hard enough time getting the game done. And you want to add NFTs? It's insane. I, I I I still hope the game is good because there were things about this game that I genuinely thought looked cool. Yeah. Just agreed. like you. But you're not gonna win me over with doing something so transparently stupid like prioritizing NFTs over finishing your game. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care when it comes out anymore personally. I'll play it when it's when it's out cuz it's on Game Pass and it's going to not cost me anything extra anyway. Yeah. But this no man, you got to get this booty juice cuz this my, is my, my thing is, this is, is nuts. Is it's is there's this is not coincidence that they wanted to implement entities they then backtracked and now weeks later they've delayed. It's because they were they were in that game. Or, or or whatever the case may be in that sense, it, it, it does. It's not a good look. Regard even if that's not the case, it's not a good look. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I mean, if they were trying to get the game out sooner to cash in on the NFT stuff sooner, and the game wasn't even ready to begin with, that would have been wild. If they held on to the original release date just to kind of get the NFT, you know, momentum. But Dog, or if seven, it was just so baked into their design. Time. Whew, Get this booty juice, man. Yeah. Get it. Um, hate to end on a sour note like that, but that is going to wrap up our hit points. Uh, this was a longer one than normal, but a lot of a lot of interesting stuff uh, popped off uh, over the last week or so, so we had to cover those bases uh, as best we could. But it is time to go ahead and change to the checkpoint chat. It's time for the checkpoint chat. All right, now as promised, our checkpoint chat is going to be our very own cooldown time podcast, Console War. Uh, basically, the uh, the rules are as follows: um, based on ten uh, distinct categories, Pablo and I are going to take turns picking first, second, and third place winners uh, for each of these categories between the PS5, the Xbox Series X and S and the Nintendo Switch. And we're kind of factoring it based on the past, the present, and the future of each of these consoles uh, slash companies. So um, if you want to go ahead and follow along with us and, 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 and make your own selections too as you're listening to this show, feel free to do so. Tell us what you think uh, if you want to subscribe to us
us on Twitter and Instagram to tell us how wrong we were. Um, but me and Pablo are going to go round robin on this one and just uh, tackle these from kind of worst to best, third, second, first. So um, I'm going to go ahead and run down. Uh, well, actually, let's just start with the first category here. Um, let's start with uh, let's let's start off with uh, with looks. You know, you always got to start off with looks. You got to read a book by its cover sometimes. And uh, we're going to begin with, <laughs> yes, that's what I do. I don't know. Uh, we're going to start with uh, the best looking console design or designs because some of these have multiple uh, SKUs. So, Pablo, I'm going to kick it over to you first. Why don't you go ahead and give me, in your opinion, the third, second, and first of this category? My third is uh, the PS5. Uh, mm. It is the victim of over-design. It's gaudy. It's weird. Form factors doesn't really give any kind of particular style. It wants to be modern, but it's too complex. It's not minimal. It's not industrial. It's like what a group of dads who tuck their shirts into their pants think cool Wait a second. is. Wait. Wait a minute. I'm a dad. What you do? Yeah, well, you know, it's like, like, oh, this looks cool. It's curved here at the top, but it's it's massive. It's huge. It's ugly. I hate it. I think it's fucking absurd. I, I don't think okay. I don't think anything about the PS5 design is redeemable. You know, I don't. I, re- I really don't. I, I think it is an absolute horseshit of a design of a console, you know. And that's just on the design part of it. Uh, my number two is the Switch. The design, it's simple. Uh, what the Switch is, uh, its handheld form is pretty sleek. Uh, more so with the OLED edition. It's unique in its design, but it's also a unique console design that matches the uniqueness of the console itself. It's modular in its design. You can take off those, you know, Joy-Cons, uh, you know, um... The dock is super simple, but its its simplicity is also kind of what makes the, the console work. It, it, I don't think it particularly is ugly. I think it's very simple, but I don't think it's ugly. And that's kind of where we're saying on that. And then my number one is the Xbox uh, Series X. Uh, it has a much more of an industrial look. Um, but Wait, you're does, talking about the you're talking about both of them, right? Yeah, talking about both. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I think they're both cut from the same cloth. Uh, honestly, I, I, it, they both have a kind of futuristic look to it. Uh, specifically, the Xbox Series X has a monolith type design, black on black accents, uh, with the fan vent on the top, with the little signature green under it, which is kind of a cool little look to it. With the Xbox Series S uh, being all white with that kind of that black top, uh, you know, it looks like kind of it looks kind of like a like a stove, but it is <laughs> it, 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 it's it's ultimately I think it's it's a much sleeker design out of all the ones. Um, I, I do I do appreciate it's designed. Because it also is about accessibility or functionality. You know, it's it, they took what makes the, 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 the console work at the best way possible and then built a console in terms of design uh, the best way possible. So that's why I think it's, for me, it's uh, Xbox Series X being the first, uh, Switch being the second, and then obviously PS5 being number three. What do you got? I got something totally different. Totally. Um, totally different. All right. Yo, if so you had PS5 with number one, we fighting in these streets. Well, let me run through them. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me see what you think. My number three is the Nintendo Switch. Okay. Um, and and the reason why is because I just 
I think that some of the I, I actually think the dock is to me a, a clunky uh, is clunkily designed. I don't like it as a solution. It, it it feels very loose when you put the switch in there. It doesn't feel like it holds it in really snug. Um, and I just think that when you talk about the the overall aesthetic of it, I think it's definitely a step up from what they were trying to do with the Wii U, yeah. um, which looked like ugly. a flat out Fisher Price toy. But this still, to me, it looks cool, but it doesn't quite look super cool uh, to the point where I'm I, I like looking at it in my living room. You know, it's just it's just kind of there. Um, and it looks like a little Lego-y for me because of how, you know, the, the Joy-Con come off and stuff. So I just, I, I don't, it, it's not for me. It's just not for me. Um, my number two best looking console design is the Series X and S. Um, <laughs> you let me land. You got to let me land. Uh, listen, here's the thing. I think the Series X is really it's a sexy looking console man it's sleek it is it's just like you said it's got that monolithic kind of appeal to it it looks really good in the living room now the problem that i have with it is if you lay it horizontally that one side where the like the bottom is that kind of holds it when you stand it up vertical it looks a little goofy uh on on that side i don't i don't love that um so it doesn't look as good laying uh, on its side as it does laying vertical or sitting vertical um, and I think on that Series S side, you kind of said it yourself. It looks like a, it looks like one of those like camping stoves. It looks like either that or some like stereo yeah. boombox looking thing that you As carry around with you. As opposed to the you. PS5 that looks like. And I, 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 I let you talk. I let you talk. I let you talk. I let you talk. I let you talk, Skip. Um, listen, I got number it's one is PS5. It's It's <laughs> Listen, man, the PS5 to me is. Listen, it is the dad bod of consoles, and I'm here for it, man. I I love the fact that they went for it, and they tried something that is genuinely different from a visual standpoint and a build standpoint. Yes, it's a big console, but I think it's it looks cool to me. And again, it looks like they actually took a chance on trying to make a more futuristic type of, of design that feels more premium. And I, I just, I love the way it looks. I think it looks good horizontal and vertical. I think that I love the, the the lights on there when it turns on. It just feels it, it feels the best to look at. Like I my eyes just go to it like you a curvy little thing you. Well, you're not little, but you know, you're beautiful. Uh so or like if I, you see like a really ugly person you're like damn you ugly. Well, my <laughs> taste, my standards that's a different topic. Um but yeah, I look it's my number one. I, I, I love that the, the they just, they had the balls to try this out. And I think they did a great job. I really like it. And I'll die on that hill any day of the week. Uh, so, including today. So, uh, yeah, that's I, what I got for that one. I don't think that, um, I don't think the PlayStation 5 is like uglier, like that much uglier than the, but, I, you know. Hey, man. It's fine. It's, it's it, don't, don't shame it. Okay. All right. So let's move on to the next one. We have uh, next category is the best first party controller selection. So uh, for those of you listening, that includes any first party controller. So it's not just what comes in the box when you buy the console. It is anything that is branded by Nintendo, Sony, or Microsoft as an official controller option. So go ahead and kick it over to you first. Tell me what you got. Yeah. I mean, look. I struggle with this because I, I wanted to put a one controller at number three, and I just ultimately I couldn't do it. 
So what I did was is my number three co- uh, controller is the Nintendo Pro Controller. Uh, Nintendo Pro Controller for me is 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 one of those categories where I go on that I think everybody has done a good job this generation in terms of like uh, controllers. I, yeah, I, it's so, tough because the Joy-Con is is you know it, that's also kind of yeah the, the stick drift and stuff. It's it's yeah. It's you, I'm, I'm not I'm not putting into any of that into consideration. I, I'm just talking about functionality off box. I think the Joy-Con mm. is is great. Design wise, but I think the Nintendo Pro controller is one of the better controllers that ever. Honestly, um, I, I it's it's for me it's the best kind of pro version of any Nintendo controllers ever made. I I love the way it feels. I love the way that the 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 kind of like the weight to it. I like the way it looks, kind of see through. I, I think it's it's a very gr- cool design. I I really enjoy the pro controller very much. So, um, but. When you look at the other controllers that that are offered by Sony and PlayStation, I, look, I, 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 I'm on this. I'm on record saying the PS5 DualSense is is not for me in terms of like all its functionality. But I have you to said recognize that. it. Yep. I have to recognize it for what it is. And the PS5 DualSense for me is is, is at number two. Um, mm. I, I I do love the form factor. I think it's the best. Uh, PlayStation controller that they've ever made. Uh, I do think that the features with with the kind of like the uh, everything that comes with DualSense, when it comes to the uh, the haptic feedback and the and the triggers, all that is really cool. My only issue with that really has comes down to the fact that developers have to develop for it, and not everybody's doing a great job. In fact, I would argue and say that nobody's really done an incredible job other than. Uh, in terms of all around, which is comes with the haptic feedback and also the triggers, other than than Astro uh, Astrobot probably, in ter- like it really mm. feels really good in that game. Uh, but it is nonetheless you can't you can't hit you can't kind of like ding it for the fact that other people don't know how to make it like make it work well. I do think it, overall the way it feels. Uh, I'm an offset joystick guy, but in terms of what it does with the kind of like the isometric controls uh joysticks i do i i do like it i i've been playing um days gone like i mentioned on top of the show uh lately and i've been playing a lot more of the dual sense and i i there's there's never been kind of going from a pro controller or an xbox controller into the dual system going ugh, it, it feels just mm-hmm. as good uh and so I, I think ultimately for me um it is it is probably uh it, it is for me the best controller that playstation has ever put out by far, I, I hate uh, anything they do with the analogs and what is the other called the six axis and in the um, yeah. I, I don't like any of those controllers. I think that they feel weird. I legit was like ugh every time I had to touch that controller after playing long sessions of the Xbox uh, controller in that sense. Now, now I number one something that my wife got for me on Christmas is the Elite uh, version two controller for Xbox. I it's the best controller that's ever been made. Uh, there's no doubt about that. As a matter of fact, the funny thing about that is Justin and Alex, uh, they Friends also the got show. yeah, they also got uh, Elite Two. Alex got the Halo ver- uh, uh, V2, mm. cool. uh, and they've and they share that sentiment. It is uh, it does everything from in terms of quality engineering to customizations and control. It's the best at what it does. It, it feels great great weight to it um the customization in terms of the control is amazing and then and then really just just the way the control uh it just feels different the analogs feel different from anything you know you can really feel 
all the access that you're in terms of the you know from up down left right but also just everything in between those it just feels uh pretty uh pretty amazing to me um so yeah and number one is the xbox right. elite version two number two is the ps5 dual sense and three nintendo pro controller so we actually have the same order i i just kind of approached it from like a standpoint of all of their controllers versus all of their controllers, like not just the best of each gotcha, company. Gotcha. So okay, yeah. I, I attacked this from, um, from a standpoint of looking at switch, which is my third place. Um, and I, I kind of alluded to it a minute ago that the joy cons to me are the biggest problem that this console has for a person that has hands larger than a five-year-old. <laughs> okay. It is hard to hold that console uh, undocked for 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 a grown up to me. I have to. I had to buy one of those third party things that you slide in, and it has like extra like handles for it on the side, little love handles to hold it better. It's too small, man. The buttons suck. The stick drift is a problem. I just yep. don't like it. And as far as the pro controller goes, I've been pretty um, much in the minority of saying I, I'm not a big fan of it. Honestly, I think the buttons are too mushy. The D pad is too mushy. It just doesn't feel as clicky as I like from. Uh, um, my controllers, so I, I'm just uh, not not a big fan of it. So I had to put it at the uh, third place spot. I have PS5 at number two, uh, pretty much for the same reasons you said. I think it is their best controller, hands down. I think so the good. functionality is dope. Um, the speaker, the touchpad, the haptic, uh, the, the triggers, all all that stuff to me is really really dope. I think the one thing that knocks it down to second place, uh, well, one of many things is, um, I think. I wish there was more options for Sony, number yeah. one. Yeah. And I also wish the battery life was better on the DualSense. This thing is oh, done in two man. hours, That's fam. Good. That's I'm like, a good point. Come on. We got to fix that like next time around. So I hope they. I, I would love to see them take like a stab at a pro controller type of thing, but I doubt it. They, they have a lot of features with this one. You know, uh, but I, it is good. So, it is good. And, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but one of the things that I forgot to kind of implement here is the future of, of the consoles because there's rumors already flying around that Xbox is going to have – uh, a, a a a pro a uh, controller of V three elite controller, and right. it might have these haptic feedback things as well. So you know that's one of the reasons why I also included that. But yeah, no, I agree mm. with you. Yeah. So my lastly to round it out, yeah, number one for me is the Series X and S controller selection. Um, the base controller to me is very very good. The elite controller, yeah. I haven't tried it yet, but I will defer to you and and how good it is. But here's the thing, I'm putting as the main and most important reason. The adaptive controller, okay? Fuck yeah, it's good. Everybody should get a chance to play video games, regardless of your disability. And this controller gives a lot of people the best opportunity to do just that. And you don't see any company taking the links that Microsoft went to to make sure that everybody gets a chance to play. I think that's like Phil Spencer's like slogan or something like when we all play or something we all win i don't know something like that but that's the mission for microsoft and i love the fact that people uh can play video games despite whatever their disability might be that's huge it's clutch and i'm putting that as the reason why it should be number one for me so that's what i got there uh let's move on we got best dashboard slash user interface I want, to got? Say, I want to say in the very top, nobody wins here. But we'll, we'll go ahead and rank them. The best uh, loser, right. Yeah, best loser. Number three <laughs> is the Nintendo Switch. Plain, bland, okay. stupid, PBS. Plain, bland, <laughs> stupid. It's, it, it, I, it's, it's so nothing. It's so much nothing. It, it, yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. Okay. Uh, 
So with that said, we'll move on. Number two is PS5. While it's sleek, I feel like it's in, it's not intuitive, and it's complete and utter mess. Uh, so many little things that they talked about with the cards, uh, helping you with how to get a trophy. There's so much shit in, in, in the UI that I never use. It just becomes a, a mess. I, I don't really like the, the PS5 UI at all. And then the Xbox Series X is, is, is my number one. It's far from perfect, uh, but I feel navigating it is easier. Uh, I feel like uh, every aspect of the options is baked into the dashboard, unlike PlayStation 5 where everything is in the dashboard, PlayStation, uh, the Xbox takes you to a different kind of location for the store, for options, for settings. Um, uh, I do think that this is probably the most subjective one, which, however, the, the more you felt comfortable with, uh, me being an Xbox first kind of player, uh, this isn't really different. It, it, actually, it's not different at all from what the Xbox One X kind of uh, brought up. But I, I, I you know, I, I think the same could be said for Sony. There's some differences here, but it's not. It's pretty much the same kind of uh, UI, you know. Uh, but ultimately, for me, I, I, I don't think that. I, I think this is one of the biggest misses in all fronts. I think Xbox, Sony, and Nintendo, I don't think that they really put too much thought into what their dashboard UI is going to look like. And, and you can tell. It it, it feels... They not, none of them feel like incredibly intuitive in any way, shape, or form. So, Xbox Series X1, PS5 2, and Nintendo Switch 3. Alright. So, uh, for me, my number three is also uh, Nintendo Switch. I think for all the same reasons that you mentioned. Not only... Again, we're, we're also talking about past, present, and future, right? Yeah. Uh, considering the fact that the Switch UI and it has not changed one iota since that oh. thing came out, nothing new to give it more functionality, more ease of use. It's, it's not just, like, and it's not like that UI was good to begin with. It's yeah, it, it needed love, like, and it didn't get any. It got, it's just, it's the same bland, ugly interface. Not even themes. Like, you don't even have themes to it make does. it look like it does. black or white. Black and white. <laughs> Yo, it's bad, dog. So I had to put that at number three for sure. My um, my number two is the Series X and S, and and the and the reason why is, you know, I think that because it's been pretty much the same thing for so long, we just kind of got used to it. But if you were to put this in the hands of somebody new for the first time and say go. It's kind of hard to figure out what the hell you're doing. There's ads everywhere. Everything's got like this this app that you have to go to. Nothing's True. like built in, uh, you know, natively to to the you know to the dashboard. Uh, you have to update the apps. You have to update the store. You upload a Bing app version of Bing, and then a browser of of, of Windows Edge. It's it's so clunky and cluttered. Um, it's slow, even with the Series X. Like I'm tired of hitting the home button to pull up the little side you know blade. And it takes like two to three seconds to do it sometimes. I'm like, we're still having these problems right now. Like a lot of it, like the, you know, the settings and stuff is kind of buried. Um, you know, it's not very organized. So I, I don't like how busy it is. It's just too, too busy. Um, so I'm not a big fan of it. It's not, it, they just now got the dashboard to 4K. This whole time, even when the uh, X launched, it, it came out at 1080p, which to some people isn't a big deal at all. And, yeah. and frankly, it's not. But it is nice to see games looking crispy on there, you know, on the dashboard. So me, it, it does help. Let me ask you this. Are you a fan of the 360 Blade system? I liked it. See, I, I liked you it. know, I, I, you might force me here to move Xbox to 2 and PlayStation to 5 because 
it's weird because when they went to the to the Xbox Series X version of that stuff, it, it's actually worse than the Blade system. It is. Yeah. It is. They've they've gone nowhere but but further down. Yeah. Um. You know, and and then they were trying to model it after Windows for a time as well yeah, to yeah, make yeah. it more like and the parody is. of it. The way when you look at the Windows phones back in the, yeah. the, the little tiles, it's still kind of the same. Exactly. Way. So I actually got my number one is PS Five. Yes, it does have some functionality that is is kind of you know goofy that no one really cares about, like those those things you were talking about um, with how to get like trophies and stuff. Like nobody really needs that stuff. It was it's it's dumb. It's just flat out dumb. But what I love about that that UI is every everything is is exactly where you want to find it. The settings are up at the top. The store is right over there. The the, the you you press the PS button. All your options are down there below. Everything is is within you know obviously not literally but within arm's reach. You don't have to go down, find an app, or go into this setting. Go into here. Go click that. It's it's all right there. Could it be laid out better? Uh, is it a little too minimal at times? Could it use yeah. a little bit more? Yeah, of course. Um, and I think as time goes on, I think they'll probably work on some stuff if we're thinking about the future, right? Um, but I just think it, it's it's the slickest. It's 4K HDR dashboard. It's snappy. Everything is where you want to find it. The music when you sign in is dope. You can turn it off, obviously, but I love that that the futuristic music in there to give it a little extra touch. I think it's dope, man. Um, so I had to put it at my number one. So that's what I fair. got. That's fair. All right, let's continue. We have the category for best console features. So excluding the dashboard and UI stuff, just out of the box. How much bells and whistles do these have in comparison to each other? Pablo, take it away. Unlike the previous category, I think everybody wins this one. Uh, number three for me is PS5 with 3D audio. I think 3D audio is absolutely incredible. I, I love everything about 3D audio. I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, it's just some games already come with that that feature packed in, Call of Duty being one of them. Uh, but I, 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 I like PS, I like 3D audio. I think it's great. Number two. I surprise you. It's Xbox Quick Resume. I think it's clutch. Uh, I think it's absolutely one of the best things uh, of next generation consoles. I love everything about Quick Resume. I use it every day, and I'm I'm happy to use it going from game to game. Now here's my number one, and and and, and my number one is Nintendo Switch. Switching, I think from handheld to docked, smooth, painless transitions. It's overlooked now because things that work so well and are so intuitive, they tend to be forgotten as to how revolutionary that they might have felt before. There was nothing like this ever before. And, and, and just the Nintendo Switch, we kind of take it for granted when we go from handheld to, to Switch and, and it's right there and it sometimes... The it, hybrid the hybrid yeah. aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes the fact that it's 720p, you clutch it and it's 1080 on the, on the screen in, in some rare... Uh, 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 situations but still that fact and 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 just the fact that you can actually do that is absolutely incredible it's just kind of you have to sit back a little bit and think about it because it, we've been doing it for so long it, it works so well it's flawless uh that mm-hmm. at times you're like oh yeah it's just kind of what the nintendo switch is but before this when nintendo switch came out we i doubted it i'm like there's no way this is gonna work and it, and it works mm-hmm. incredibly well i think it is by far in terms of the last decade of 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 consoles it's definitely the most incredible uh console feature of any consoles ever to come out so okay. that's where i'm at yeah 
Cool. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking at like I'm looking at these from like the their their like complete suite of features or the thing or the have nots as well. You know what I mean? So I actually have Switch it at uh, at third because you're right. Like the, the the portability, the hybrid nature of it is super super. You know, into like it's only until lately with this like the Steam Deck. Right or what is that? What it's called? Steam Deck? Yeah, 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 yeah. Steam Deck. I, I don't know why I was blinking out there. I, I got, I got mixed up. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to make a device like that. It just is, and they figured out a way to do it. However, it's missing basic functionality. How come you can't have a chat with your friends when you play a multiplayer game without a phone app? I know, but I, why? Man, I get it. Way, it's Nintendo. They got a gatekeep. They got to manage. It's your kids. I get that. But, but I just went. On. I just went with the one feature. You know that that's like stands out because the have-nots at that point. I think that's a different category almost. But I mean, I agree with you. I, I, yeah. I, I, again, I think that all these features, and I mentioned it on top, they all win. I think they all have incredible features. Like the I, one, yeah, at least I, the one. I guess my rationale is if we're thinking past, present, future, right? The future part of it, like if they haven't done it by now, they're not going to do it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's no potential for them to, to, to add it in there. So it is lacking. I think, uh, you know, they just, they just enabled Bluetooth for the first time. They had it in the tuck the whole time, you know? So I just think it is, it's just too bare bones from a functionality standpoint uh, for me. My number uh, two is PS5. I think that, uh, to your point, the 3D audio is super, super dope. It's a nice uh, proprietary uh, thing that, you know, uh, brings out the best in a lot of first-party games and some, you know, supported third-party games as well. Um, I think it checks all the boxes of having a really good um, suite of functionality, but it doesn't do anything like crazy cool the way that Series X does when you think about, which is my number one, which is like auto HDR, FPS boost, quick resume, smart delivery. These types of things go a long way with just, um, you know, continuously pushing the envelope, having Dolby Vision for your games now. Like it just, they just keep on iterating. And so I just love the fact that when you think about the future of this console, you can see they have a pipeline. You know what I mean? So um, that's why they're my personal number one. Um, I think, now I I think to your differently but i think yeah but i I don't think you're wrong i think to your point like if i had to pick anything i mean the fact that the switch is the switch would be number one so i think you're still you still got a solid rank there um but i just came at it from a little different angle that's cool a little bit of a little variety um but yeah so let's go ahead and um let's switch gears and let's talk leadership um interesting category when we think about the leadership of all three of these companies uh, and the decisions they make for us. Um, what do you got? Talk to me. Yeah, this is a little weird. Uh, my number three is actually Sony. Uh, uh, mm. They have studios that make incredible games, and in that way, leadership has installed these like incre- uh, studio heads to, to lead up those games. But when it comes to everything else, Sony runs their company with brash arrogance. And lately, they've have they've been making bold promises without having the infrastructure to back them up. They, mm-hmm. they like they they are industry leaders for sure, but I, I think that's more or less about the fact that they've been around for so long. You know, like a lot of a lot of what they do has a lot to do with them resting on their laurels. I I I don't think they have leadership. They don't have really like Nintendo. I don't think that Nintendo has like a a a a a head of, of like when you look at them anymore because a lot of people either have left the company or unfortunately have passed. But Sony, you know, Jim Ryan might be that guy, but, you know, he's, also, he's always so 
like media trained, like never answering, never answering specific questions, going around it, and and they have so much, they have incredible products to to kind of talk about. But I just feel that Sony is 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 very, it's too arrogant for their own good, like in that way. So they they they, they kind of let things kind of slide. They they kind of let they kind of let the name speak for itself rather than them trying to you know uh, in any way bleed uh, in the industry. But it is what it is. Number two for me is Nintendo. Uh, they know what they are. They don't play by the same rules as Xbox or, or PlayStation. They they aren't really playing catch up. I mean, like they have a a a a, a console that is is inc- it's very much behind in terms of what the PS5 and the Xbox Series X is. But they're still able to sell to sell through it. They still are able to kind of tap into that nostalgia and, and really deliver the games that people want. I mean, look, when you look at Sony and Xbox, we're looking for the next big IP, right? The next big thing. Nintendo is still resting on Mario, still resting on Zelda, Metroid, all that good stuff. And they really know what they have and they know when to uh, to parse it out. Um, they're one of the only companies that I know of that actually have completed games that they pocket to then later release when they need them. I mean, they, they, they have a really great weld oiled machine there and Nintendo's great but ultimately for me Xbox comes is number one and it comes down to just one person that's Phil Spencer uh I mean he's when you look at what he was able to do with the disastrous Xbox launch in subsequent terrible years uh and it come out of the other side with Game Pass first party shooters working on AAA juggernauts of games and and, and making deals with third party games for Game Pass I mean like he, he's He's doing the most he possibly can without being specifically the tastemaker, the industri- the industrial leader currently. He he's really putting Xbox on the map, and it's really him out there. There was just an interview with him that we didn't uh, put on hit points, where he really uh, tackled specific issues by a person interviewing him who isn't a person that's in the gaming world, like you know, very going at him about very matter of fact stuff, and, and the way he handles himself. I mean, really, Phil Spencer's the thing that has kept Xbox. Xbox Alive. Xbox One was a disaster. And the fact that uh, Phil Spencer came in and was able to to keep them alive, and not only keep them alive, but sell about 13 million units uh, of Xbox Series X and, and stay right there with, with Xbox, that's super impressive. And, and, and leadership right now at Xbox is absolutely amazing. They're doing an awesome job. Cool, man. Um, not too different of a list. Um, so my number three uh, is... Is the, uh, the 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 Nintendo leadership? I think uh, we're a little flipped, but not too not too different. Yeah. I think um, to me they just don't have, to your point, much of a leadership presence, and I think that that does hurt them in a lot of ways. They feel very detached. Um, and they just kind of seem to, from a leadership standpoint, they drag their feet about a lot of things. They're just not up on certain things fast enough to kind of keep their keep Nintendo as modern uh, and is is ahead of the curve as they should be in some areas. Um, and I just think that they're kind of hard to. It's hard to gain insight about what they're doing as a business because there's really nobody representing them to kind of walk us through the why and the how of what they do. So that's why I have them at number three for me. A second place, I have uh, Sony. Um, I, I don't love Jim Ryan, but I don't exactly hate him either because right. I think he he under he knows what it is, you know. And and for lack of a better term, um, he has to do some necessary evils in the interest of of ensuring that um, you know the PlayStation 
brand and its software are going to be as appealing to as many people as possible, whether that means making some changes to put stuff on PC, uh, going back on certain things that he said about, you know, not believing in uh, or believing in, uh, you know, console cycles or generations or whatever. Um, you know, they, they pivot where they have to, even if it means they got to they got to wear a mark of shame for a little bit. But at least there's somebody there that's going to take the hit and will talk about it, even if he's not exactly as direct as he should be like you mentioned I, I something is better than nothing compared to nintendo in my opinion so that's why i got sony second place and for the same reasons as you mentioned about our boy phil spencer xbox is number one i mean you you it ain't a lot of people can take where how bad of a position the xbox brand was in after xbox one and do what he managed to do you can't put a lot of people in his seat and get that kind of result um, so his ingenuity, his aggression in terms of being just tenacious and savage, but also very on the, on the, you know, the forward facing side, very, um, you know, seemingly very kind and generous and, and humble, uh, and soft spoken, but very intelligent. And he's very honest and earnest about a lot of things. He represents that brand really well. And to me, he, uh, puts Xbox at first when it comes to leadership. So, um, let's go ahead and keep going. We got the next category, sort of a little bit of a derivative of this in some ways, but thinking about which company is the most pro-consumer, um, what do you think? What do you got? I want you to go first here because I am still kind of in my head trying to place okay. them because it's it, I have them all like, I have all the information there, but I'm kind of like, where am I going to, I right. want you to go first. I'm interested to I see got where this. you're at. I got this. Um, so here's where I'm at. Third place is Nintendo in terms of being pro-consumer. And here's why. They have done a really terrible job, in my opinion, at, um, number one, when you look at things like the Nintendo 64 virtual console thing coming out messy, there was no apology for it. The price was out of control. Yeah. It was obviously a price gouging move to tap into your nostalgia, and they gave you a lousy product that really hasn't been much better off since then. You have things like these limited-run digital-only games, which is not pro-consumer at all. It's essentially a tactic to increase demand and essentially you know, make you get in while you can and, and hurry up while uh, fake supplies last. It was a stupid right. move that wasn't really in the best interest of the gamer because people that want to play that collection now cannot do that. Not very pro-consumer, right? right? You look at how slow they've been with uh, announcing games and um, you know this, the state of games like Pokemon, which has been you know hotly debated about you know um, its regression and stuff like that. Nintendo's just kind of kicking it and, and, and just in cruise control uh, in some ways. Um, franchises go dark for a long time like Metroid did for so many years and while people have been clamoring for a comeback stuff like that just it adds up after a while uh stick drift they had a class action lawsuit I believe with that uh they really never addressed that outright or directly have shown any kind of remorse or apology about their business practices being so stubborn at times so I'm just not a big fan of them from a pro-consumer standpoint I think they're they're not like uh you know they're not evil evil but they are a little on that shady side that I don't always trust. So I have them at number three. 
Second place, I have PlayStation 5. When you think about things like the upgrade path to uh, go from a PS4 to PS5 game, that was yeah. really messy yeah. uh, last year, which uh, really got on my nerves. Um, you know, you, you have a lot of this, uh, you know, going back to Jim Ryan in, in some ways, he can be a little douchey. Uh, sounding, yeah. you know, and and very, uh, you know, matter of fact and 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 cutthroat in some ways. Again, that I respect. In some ways, that I don't respect so much. Um, he seems to be really focused on the blockbuster Hollywood cinematic type of games, um, and and I don't know if there's going to be enough room in the future for a lot of really inventive indie esque titles that that are trying something new. Um, so, but. In comparison to Nintendo, I don't feel like like Sony's trying to play me as much as 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 Nintendo is at times. That's why they're second yeah. place. I think the most pro consumer company is uh, Xbox right now because of Phil Spencer's influence on uh, you know the conversations that he has on making sure, like we talked about with the controllers, that everybody gets a chance to play. Yeah. Um, they have course corrected very quickly when they've messed up, like the Xbox Live Gold price going up at the beginning of last year. They fixed that right. Right away, and they they addressed it. They've um, Game Pass is still Game Pass. They haven't bait and switched us on that yet. Uh, we still get really good content there. So I think they've done their thing in terms of really showing that they're for us in a way that they didn't do in years past and generations past. So I got Nintendo third, Sony second, uh, and Microsoft at number one. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly how I have it as well. I, I agree with you with the Nintendo specifically. I, I, Nintendo is just really one of those companies that they also like Sony rest on their laurels and, and they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, this is going to be right when it's ready, but we don't get any information from them. They, they don't really share info. They really are not interested in telling you when, uh, Breath of the Wild is going to be ready. They, 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 they're really, and it's one of those things because I, I praise them for pocketing games when they're ready, when, and then releasing him later, but ultimately, that, that that's just one of those things where it just feels like they are never really ready for anything. It just it just it, it's a, yeah. It's like you're a, right. You're right. It's like a constant. It, it just feels too fluid for me to really like. And then because of that, they're not really honest or upfront with their consumers, and so you know that's why I have a number three. Uh, number two. Uh, it's funny because Sony makes promises without infrastructures, but at least they're making strides uh, with the rumored Spartacus stuff coming out in a couple of, I don't know when it's coming out, but you know, with that stuff coming out, yeah. uh, they're at least trying something there. And, 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 and they're not my, and, and again, that's not public knowledge. Like not everybody knows about Spartacus specifically, but at, at the very least, they're trying to make it happen. Um, and, and 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 you know you can you can shame them for that, but ultimately at the end of the day, I I really do think that Sony is, at the very least, trying or being or or having Jim Ryan talk about certain aspects of of, of their company uh, more than what Nintendo does. I, I don't think anybody nobody's is my number one Xbox is as transparent as Xbox. Xbox oh, yeah. is there's just just no there's no competing with them. Um, Maybe because they're not winning. Maybe because they are in second place uh, in that way. Uh, the, you know, they are not married to any one idea. 
they're they, they they have certain ideas and they put it out there and then it's all about how the consumers react to it. Uh, if consumers act positively to it, then they double down. If they act negative to it, then they will have their way of they, they will they're not afraid to 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 make things change to to make things better for consumers. Look look when you look at their uh, at at Halo, the only launch title that they might have had. They delayed it because they knew consumers were not going to be happy about the product that they had mm-hmm. uh, in 2020. So, you know, right now yeah. at this point, Xbox is firing all cylinders when it comes specifically to uh, consumer, um, yeah, consumers. So, yeah, that's, that's how I have them ranked. Cool, man. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next category. Uh, which is best digital slash live showcases. So with the death of E3, or what seems to be the death of E3, this is going to be even more important than ever Absolutely. moving forward. So based on that, I'm going to go ahead and kick it back to you. Uh, tell me what you're thinking with this one. All right, so for me, I have at number three uh, PS5 State of Play. Uh, I think last year specifically... They've proven to be pretty meaningless, uh, and the fact that they've completely taken themselves away from E3 when E3 was a thing, uh, and not really showing much of anything. Um, I, yeah, I, I really honestly think that State of Play has become, and even their showcases uh, have just become these, just so obviously ads. You know, like, yeah. like we, I have to show this. They paid me $25,000 to do this. You know, it, it, it's a commitment. It, it doesn't feel like, by the way, this is for you. This is for what we're going to do for you guys. It's more or less of like, we have to do this because they do, actually, it's public knowledge that they have to pay $20,000 to be a part of a showcase or a state of play. And so, you know, it, it just feels like that. And, and I've never, in the past couple of state of plays, I've never really watched it and thought, this was necessary, and that's problematic mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, my number two is Xbox. Uh, Xbox doesn't really do a lot of a lot of things outside of E3, but when they do E3, they usually are amongst the best in, in terms of what they show. I mean, and I guess it's 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 give or take. They don't do a lot of stuff outside of E3 or or uh, summer of games, and so when they do these things, they have a lot more to show. Uh, but you know, I. I think that ultimately for me, uh, when I look at last year's E3 compared to, 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 to all the other uh, showcases, I, I do like what Xbox was shown. And they are pretty solid in that. You know, they put a lot of effort into that. Uh, and again, goes back to Phil Spencer. I mean, I, I think back to, to, to Cyberpunk and Keanu Reeves. Those kind oh, of yeah. moments, yeah. all those things are, are, are iconic. And really, like some of the best things Dare I say ever. Dare I say, breathtaking? You know <laughs> exactly. I mean? You know, uh, so it, it's it's just it, it, it's just what it is at that point. But number one for me is Nintendo. I think Nintendo uh, directs they do a lot with them. Whether it's focusing on one game, uh, focusing on a indies or they have the indie showcase. I, I think Nintendo really does a good job when it comes to consistently being in communication with its consumers about the products that are coming soon or the products that, that are that are coming within the next couple of months and really focusing in on that product. I can remember uh just just a bunch of their like uh, uh, their high value games coming out or their high caliber games coming out and them having um a specific uh direct to just talk about that game. And that, especially when you come at Smash Bros. Uh, and that may seem like, ugh, 
just to just only going to talk about Smash Bros. But it's 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 it. I think it's good. I think that they're really focusing in on on a specific game and giving you all the uh, information that they are willing to give to you right there on one platform. So Nintendo for me does the best job when it comes to those digi- uh, the best digital platforms in that sense. All right. Yeah. I mean, actually, I have the exact same um, list and same order. Um, you couldn't have said it better myself, but I'm gonna try. Uh, real quick. Um, so I, I do think, yeah, last place is, is Sony. I think that the state of plays have turned into glorified billboards. They do have um, one or two meteor uh, you know, events every year. Uh, there's even one that's rumored to be happening in February, which could be a pretty big one. We'll see. But I mean, otherwise, it's just kind of junk and it doesn't feel like they really had any any real goal behind having a state of play other than just kind of meeting some marketing um, expectation off of some like agreement with these companies. Um, so they're just boring. There's flat out boring. Yeah. Um, second place I have Xbox, uh, uh, you know, to me, like you said, their E3s are really well done or uh, what will be E3 like presentations in the future. Um, but I think they, they've had a habit of kind of um, overselling and underselling their events. Uh, and, and sometimes, Sometimes you'll you'll get you'll get something better than you thought, and sometimes you'll get a real dud. Um, yeah. And and it's like man, it's just so inconsistent. You would hope that they would have learned how to kind of keep uh, expectations in check and not over or under promise um, when they know they have or don't have um, bangers to show. So that's why they're yeah. number two for me. Uh, yeah, and, and and Nintendo is number one. I mean, yeah, they have a lot of fluff. There's no doubt, and all yeah. all three of these do. Let's be honest. I mean, Absolutely. you can you can name examples for all three of these companies, but I think Nintendo usually has something interesting. You yeah. know, you're never really gonna walk away from anything that they do. Going there was zero interesting stuff they show there's always at least one or two uh noteworthy things especially when they're about to have one of their big years like they will yeah. uh this year and next year probably so i like them I, I think they're pretty good and i think they deserve you know the attention that they get so yeah same order on my end as well now uh let's get into the games we've been waiting a while to get to the main event of this but yeah let's start talking about the actual games and let's um let's start with indie game support uh from best to worst or worst to best i guess uh what do you think about the uh the indie game scene for these three consoles honestly this was the hardest one for me to do really Uh, okay yeah because when you look at what sony does with their indie games um i i think sony is let me let's just go up with the rank. I think number three is Xbox. Now, the thing with Xbox mm. is they have a lot of great indie games and they're available on Game Pass for the most part. Uh, but they have a lot of misses. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of not vaporware, but there's a lot of like bullshit that comes on to, to the game to Game Pass that that is of the indie game caliber. Um, and I feel like you know, it's it's just it just feels like diminishing returns. But you say, oh, the next indie game, like just today, just this week, you can count like five, six. Ember came out, and the Cruises is coming out. Pedestrian, the, yeah, yeah, pedestrian. These games that are coming out, and it's like ah, these games are just extremely fine. They're not specifically great in any way, shape, or form. Um, and, and so the saving grace here is the fact that they do co- that they're coming out on the uh, Game Pass, you know. Um, right. So that's right. That that's kind of like the saving grace in that way. But number okay. two for number two for me. Oh man, this is super tough. Uh, number two for me is Nintendo Switch. 
Mm. Yes, I know. I understand Nintendo Switch is basically the home of indie games, right? In terms of like, they have so much of it. But that's my problem, is that they have so much bullshit on there that it almost feels impossible to find like good games on there. You know, they have they have like Axiom Verge 2, Loop Hero, uh, which are, are games that, a personal favorite game of mine, um, uh, East, uh, East uh, Eastward is a, is a it's an awesome game that just came out you know oh, last Eastward. year yeah 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 you know these games are coming out they're, they're really 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 dope games but they have so much bullshit attached to it mm. uh, and so it's like it's one of those things where it's 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 hard to go into that platform and pick your favorite indie game because there's such so much stuff on there but my number one is Sony I think Sony really knows how to pick them um, they were first they're, they. They have Chicory, just to name the games of this year. Uh, Kenna, Bridge of Spirits, is also a, a game that is exclusive to them. And then when you look at, at, at the future, you got Sifu coming out in a little in a little bit, and you got uh, you got Stray that's about to come out. Now, now might not be the best games. Uh, it might not be like a lot of games, but when they come out with these indie titles, they really hit home. For example, Disco Elysium is the game that came out first on PlayStation exclusively. Uh, th- these games are really uh, hitting home. And when you look at the past, so you have Journey, which many hailed to be one of the most incredible games of, uh, you know, of all time. And, and, and people, a lot of people picked it for it being uh, their favorite game. Uh, when it came out, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, it, Sony picks their indie games carefully, but when they hit, they hit most often than not. You know, so that's where we're at here. Okay, all right, yeah, this was kind of a tough one for me too. Uh, but doing some research on this, I kind of realized because, um, because I'll be honest, my list was going to, my order was going to be the same as yours, but um, I actually got Sony uh, last year. And the reason why is I found, um, you know, an article from uh, Game Rant um, from this past December. And what it was basically doing was talking about how Sony is looking to repair their relationship with any developers. Because I, yeah, yeah, I guess back in uh, the middle of last year, uh, there was a report about how Sony was was really being a pain to indie developers when it came to processes, tools, forms, communication, uh, and even advertising. And I think that Sony has done a good job of slowly trying to rebuild some bridges and make their PlayStation brand more accommodating, but I think that's still a work in progress. So I think they are making strides, and I think to your point, they do pick them very well, uh, for sure. Um, And that should be celebrated, um, but I just think that uh, that sort of thing, I'm sure, might have uh, jeopardized some opportunities to have uh, some even better games show up on on, on PlayStation uh, over the last couple of years. So hopefully, if we're thinking about the future of this again, um, then I think that they're going to right the ship. But for now, I think because of that kind of rapport, I got to keep them at third place. Um, number two, I have uh, Xbox. I think that, you know, the fact that they have Game Pass as a, a, a vehicle for these indie games to get more exposure, uh, get a little bit more love, um, I think that does go a, a long way. Um, 
I do think that sometimes uh, these indie games are a little bit like duds. You know, games like The Ascent come out, and it's just kind of a wet fart. And games like The Last Night get announced, and you never hear from them again. And it's like, oh, well, that was a big thing you were championing for a while, and that's gone. And I get it. It's not necessarily Microsoft's fault. Uh, in every in every example, but you know, I think that overall, um, they they do a solid job of of indie games with exposure and support, and they do have like indie showcases and stuff as well. But I think they could do a little bit better, and I think Nintendo gets number one for me. I think they've done the most consistently good job of giving these games shine on um, their their directs. Um, you know, it, not every game again that they show off are hits or or all that great. And yes, their 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 um, you know, their eShop has a lot of junk, a lot of junk, shovelware McGee. But I think overall, um, I really like the fact that. Um, it, it seems like a really nice hub for indie developers to go to first uh, and foremost. And, and a lot of people enjoy playing a lot of those indie 2D pixel art games on a handheld device because it just feels more like the old school days. And that's something yeah. that the Switch can do. So um, I think overall I had to put them in number one. So that's what I got. Um, yeah. Almost done. Almost done. We got two more. Um, here's the next one. We got best third party exclusives. What do you got? Oh, number three is Nintendo. Easy. Uh, in that sense. Uh, I think it's more or less about how Nintendo has uh, a, a, a very um, already kind of old console in that a lot of third-party games coming out now are probably yeah. unable to run on that system. And if they are, they have to make some ex- aggressive concessions in order to, to make them run in that sense. So that, you know, it, like like you even mentioned, it's not really... It, 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 Nintendo does great indie games and great first-party games. When it comes to third-party games, uh, there are some games that are supported on the system, but it's not really it's not really Nintendo's focus. So by default, they're almost number three for me because even as, as a company ethos, it's not really what they focus on in that sense. Um, my number two was a little bit more difficult. Um, my number two is Xbox. Um, mm. I, I think that Xbox does great with third-party exclusives to a certain extent. Uh, it goes back to a lot of like first party like uh, the Cuphead Studio and then like Moon Studios with Ori and the Wisp. Those are technically uh, third party games, but they they they. Phil Spencer's on record specifically saying that he's not really into the business of taking third-party games and making them exclusive to uh, to Xbox. He hated the fact that they did that with with um, with Tomb Raider. Uh, yeah. So, like, so it, he does like the, putting him on Game Pass, though. <laughs> he does like putting him on Game Pass, which is a different kind of thing. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, uh, but I, ultimately, for me, I, I do think that. Um, Sony just doesn't really. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Xbox doesn't really focus on that specifically, and then Sony is, is for me is the clear winner. I mean, uh, let's look at right now uh, with Sony with uh, Deathloop. It, it is technically third party. They have yep. Tokyo uh, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo coming out, which is also third party, which you know, uh, which is a good, they're great guess for them. And then Final Fantasy XV, uh, sixteen is rumored to be exclusive to them. Forspoken, um, Sifu, yeah, yeah, all, all these games that they have out there are really just third party. They're really aggressive when it comes to paying money for third party, uh, and, and it, you know, it's kind of again, it goes back to what their business model is. You know, PlayStation has great first-party studios, amazing first-party studios, but they do take a long time to make their games. They don't have an expansive, uh, infinite amount of studios. They have a very uh, 
they have a very specific amount of studios, and, and they take a long times. Right now, they're very much uh, centric in, in in terms of like sequels, you know. So they yeah. have a lot of studios working on that, and so they they know that and they recognize that by getting things like Final Fantasy VII remake. You know, uh, it, it's just it really works for them in that way, and I think that it, you know ultimately when it comes to third party exclusives, uh, Sony kind of leads the way in that way. Yeah, I have the same order too. Uh, you you pretty much killed it. I mean, it's it's pretty clear. I mean, you know, to me, Nintendo has always struggled with third party support from day. I'm almost from day one. Not yeah. old old school, but yeah, um, it's just been hard. And when you have hardware that's that old and decrepit like it is it's it's hard to try to smush these bigger and more expansive games down to switch size i mean it was cute back in the day when we got witcher and skyrim and all this stuff like oh my doom and stuff like oh my god wow it's so awesome but it's not going to be like that for much longer because now we're at a new generation and you can't you can't dumb those games down anymore to fit on switch it just doesn't work so they are last for sure and i think that xbox is also uh right in the middle of the pack um you know same reason reasons as you mentioned i don't really have too much else to add um honestly and i think with ps5 and sony in particular they've continued to really make that a a a big big part of their business strategy of we don't have to buy the whole studio we'll just make sure we secure the most important games they have and that and and that's pretty shrewd but that's why i gotta give jim ryan some some credit because and even even before him they were like this so it's not fully jim but I like that because they're, they they know how to play their cards and they know how to spend their money and they know how to pick them, at least most of the time. I'm a little shaky on Forspoken and stuff like that. I got my concerns about Final Fantasy 16. That's another topic for another day. But I do think they do the best job, for hands down. So, yeah, same order as you. Uh, now, grand finale. Best first party games. Yeah, I'm man, really curious um, what you got here. For the same reasons that I mentioned on, on uh, a little earlier, I have Xbox at number three. Um, I love Halo. Mm. I love Gears. Uh, you know, I'm sure that I'll love their future games, but there's so many questions about their future games. Like, there really just is, in my opinion. There's just so many things about about uh, Perfect Dark that I'm not sure about. So many things about Fable that I have no idea what that really game is, how that game is going to be. It's being made by a company that makes racing games. Like, there's so many questions. The fact that they got Crystal Dynamics to come and help with their, their quadruple-A studio. Studio that's supposed to be, like, their the initiative. That's supposed to be, like, their shit. Yeah, oh, Perfect Dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super weird. Yeah. And then, you know... Uh, you got you know, you got the coalition making uh, gears, which I, I love. Gears Five, I thought Gears Five was absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what Gear Six is. Uh, so, you know, it's just one of those things where, at the end of the day, Xbox is still very very early on dominating the first party. Uh, that's kind right. Of the game. So uh, that's where I'm at. My number two is actually Sony. Uh, I I think Sony mm-hmm. is, is is great at what they do. I do think that they're gonna come into a a weird time in a couple of years where you know sequels galore. I mean, you know, I'll, 
God of War is coming out this year. Forbidden West is coming out this year. Uh, you probably have, you know, uh, Naughty Dog working on a sequel of some sort. You know, Uncharted is probably going to get a sequel. Like, all these great games. Again, we talked about this before on the uh, on this episode about resting on your laurels. Sony is doing that. The only issue, the only thing is, is that these games are fantastic. They're still kind of in their infancy. We haven't gotten the full trilogy of, of, um, of. Um, oh my God. Just like this game is a blank, but here we go. Charades. The last of us. The last of us. I three. love this game. We, it's we cool. Haven't gotten, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I know. I know. We still have, we <laughs> haven't gotten, you know, the full trilogy All on right. that. You know, Uncharted is, is, is they're making, uh, yeah. I don't know if they're remaking it or making more, but it, 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 it's just very sequel heavy. And then number one is Nintendo. Look, uh, Nintendo has, Nintendo created the video game space with mario with zelda they have the ip not only singular ip in mario no they have mario 3d they have mario 2d they have mario kart they have within these incredible ips they have these games that are absolutely amazing games and and i feel like ultimately uh nintendo still holds the crown i I think that uh it's very few uh first party games that are going to be able to, to to compete with the likes of Mario with the likes of Zelda with the likes of Mario Kart like Mario Kart is massive like it's just at this point yeah. really there's no competition everybody's waiting on bated breath on what's the next uh, uh, exclusive uh, Nintendo game look, look at Metroid Prime you know Metroid Prime 4 which is highly anticipated uh, from a series of games that really aren't as popular as other games Metroid is not as popular as Zelda or as Mario, but it's still highly anticipated, you know? So it's just one of those things when you come at, you have the ownership of specific IP, Donkey Kong, Mario, Zelda, like these are incredible games that, that maybe they'll come out with a game and it's not great, but they haven't done that yet. Like Breath of the Wild is absolutely one of the best open world games to ever come out. Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is one of the best platformers to ever come out. And it's just one of these things where it's very, very difficult to compete with them because not only do they have the, 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 the fact and, 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 and the history behind them, they are consistently, they're respectful to those franchises and they iterate on them and they make them better. They make them great. When they come out, they might be, they are still within the same genre, but they're absolutely amazing. And then you got stuff like Smash Bros. Like it's, it, it, Nintendo, it's, you can't compete with Nintendo in my opinion. So that's why I have Nintendo at number one. Yo, did I share my like doc with you or something? Nah, did you man. like cheat off all <laughs> my answers, son? Same. I got the same order. I mean, it's it's just it, it is what it is. I mean, third is Microsoft. I think they are still a work in progress after all the acquisitions and stuff. And, you know, to your point earlier, um, a lot of stuff has just kind of been in no man's land for a while. You know, you got games with trouble development. Halo yeah. had trouble development. Everwild had trouble development. Uh, you know, you've had a track record of of just trouble. And yeah, you have these new studios now that are going to give, you know, give you a solid, you know, uh, a nice flow, a constant flow of games, which is really good. And that's what they've always needed, but they got to be good. And that's the thing we have to wait and see about, because just historically, it's been tough to get these games, uh, you know, 
out after they've been announced. Like they'll get announced and they're, they're, then they're in the dark yeah. for like years. It's like, why did you even show us that you're doing a perfect dark? What was that even for? You weren't even, you didn't even have enough manpower at the time to get that. You had to go get crystal dynamics later. So why did you even yep. tell us this? You know what I mean? So it's just, it, it, just a lot of mismanagement there in my opinion that I think just has kind of held them back. I do think they are on an upswing for sure, but we got to see how that's going to play out because it's been, it's been a little rough for sure. Um, middle of the pack. Yeah. Number two, I have Sony in there. Sony has not produced a lot of flops. Yep. Let's be honest. Yeah. It is a little bit of sequelitis for sure. But when you really look at their catalog of games, it's not hard to understand why, because the games that are coming out stay consistently good. So why not make yeah. another game in, in a particular series? It's working, right? I do wish that their portfolio was more diverse. I do think they are missing a premier multiplayer focused shooter experience in their in their repertoire. Um, and I do think they have, um, you know, occasionally let a, a, a couple dud slip. I don't want to say that they've been perfect. They have like Destruction All-Stars come out and kind of don't turn into nothing and you know days gone comes out and 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 i'm glad that's gone so you know they've had their moments right but i think overall they have remained solid and that is that says a lot that says a lot but they're not nintendo man nintendo is clearly to me the best first party um producer of of games period i mean they cover every or just about every base they have so many franchises in their collection that they have vaulted real gems that if microsoft had their shot at a banjo or no they do actually but you know i mean certain franchises they've left dead for a long time like metroid was you give that to sony or microsoft they would oh my god they would put all their money into that you know but they just let it die because they have so many hey you know what i mean so it's it's just it's just hard to deny that they always now the one knock i'll give them is it gets bone dry sometimes with releases. Like I got great first parties, but where are the games? You know what I mean? So it, it does get a little like the weight is very, very grueling sometimes as a Switch fan, which is why I don't think it's a good primary console to have unless you're a kid, you know, and you don't know any better. Um, but when you do get them and they do finally come out, man, are they good? So yeah, I think they are, uh, at the, at the first place spot. Um, Man, it feels like uh, if I had to like look at my total winners like across the board, it feels like for my list, Series X kind or Xbox kind of was at number one most of the time. Sony would be second. I think Switch would kind of be third, but it's almost neck and neck with Sony in some ways. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. yeah, that was a good time, man. That was a good time. We did that. Um, Okay, we have been at this for a while, so that's going to wrap up this portion of the show. Uh, stay tuned, if you can, for my personal top 10 games of 2021, uh, which is coming up next. Uh, but in the meantime, that's going to wrap up this part of the show. Uh, be sure to give our podcast a sub if you enjoy all this, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, so that will always be in your FOV. You're welcome. We'll see you next time, and stay tuned for your boys' top 10. What's up, guys? This is Marco here from the Cool Down Time Podcast, and it's my turn to drop my top 10 personal favorite games of 2021. Uh, really interesting year as far as being kind of a down year in gaming, but still had some pretty fun experiences, and so I'm going to go ahead and share those with you right now. So let's go ahead and get started with my honorable mentions. I have three just like Pablo did, but mine are a little bit different, and I'm going to start with a game called Unpacking. So Unpacking 
seems like a typical 2D pixel art game of you just literally unpacking belongings in different living spaces. But it turns out that it's very, very much more than that because it tells a really, really um, amazing and subtly told story about the uh, eras and phases and pivotal years of a specific person's life uh, whom you are unpacking uh, every single time. You get a chance to see this person's highs and lows, uh, what kind of traumas they go through that change their life forever, and how things end up when all is said and done. Uh, And it was a really moving game that made me reflect a lot about myself and about the eras and years of my life that were so pivotal and what somebody would feel like and what they'd think about me if they were to unpack my belongings um, and, and what that kind of what kind of story that would tell. So really special game uh, that I wanted to give a salute to for sure. Uh, so shout out to Unpacking. Uh, speaking of shout outs, my next honorable mention goes out to XO1. That's uh, spelled E-X-O space O-N-E. Um, Talked about it on last week's show uh, in our uh, loadouts, but really, really special game uh, that is uh, such an incredible, um, you know, interstellar odyssey, uh, but in a very journey-like experience, a very surreal, um, minimal experience that um, really moved me in in a lot of ways when it comes to uh, the wonders of space, the mysteries of space, the beauty of space, and um, also, you know, kind of what... um, what haunts people about, you know, things that, that, that went kind of left and how a person has to cope with that in life and what they do to try to make it all better. A uh, really interesting game, not a very long one, about two hours, two and a half hours tops, uh, but a really, really special game that I think uh, had some pretty moving moments in, in a couple of those planets. The beauty of them almost, um, I, almost had a thug tear. I, I, I held it together for the streets, but you know, it was a little close for a while there. Uh, but shout out to X01. Uh, and last honorable mention for me is Near Replicant. Uh, I'll be honest, this was on my top 10 list uh, for pretty much uh, the, the entire time after I played it. But I bumped it down to honorable mentions because in a lot of ways it is kind of a remaster sort of thing. So it's not quite new. It's just that it's new for me because I never played the original. Uh, I did play Nier Automata, which I really, really enjoyed, but I never got around to this original game. But man, when I played that earlier this year, it blew me away. The story is incredible. The characters are unforgettable. I, I still think about the characters to this day. That's just how how much they 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 you know they stuck with me. They're just so well written and well told I just love them man and and the gameplay was fun the soundtrack is beautiful um one of the best of all time literally it doesn't have a lot of you know flaws uh except for the fact that it is kind of an older game that got brought up to speed and some of the quality of life improvements didn't extend as far as I wanted them to in terms of like the quest structure being a little old school for me a little fetch questy for my tastes and um you know some of the things that you have to do to get to the next chapters of the story because uh, every every near game has like five campaigns you know to see the true 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 ending you got to do a lot of you know uh, jumping through hoops and the hoops you got to jump through in this one are a little too tough for me so I didn't actually get all the way to the ending I kind of had to YouTube it but love this game really good and uh, one that I will never forget for sure but it's time to get into our top 10 or my top 10 and we're starting off with number 10 and that is Far Cry 6 
I'm not a big Far Cry guy, y'all. It kind of peaked for me with Far Cry 3 and Blood Dragon, but that was about it. I mean, other than that, I felt like the series was sort of not for me. It was getting a little too re- redundant for my taste. It was a good time, but it just yeah, it just wasn't pulling me in like it used to. But Far Cry 6 definitely changed all that uh, in a lot of ways, uh, from, from the environment being great, the sense of culture uh, being amazing, the, the, the combat was, was really fun, like usual. Um, you know, the villain uh, who's acted by, you know, Giancarlo Esposito uh, does a good job, although I wish there was more of him in that game. Uh, he did a really good job, but I have to give the most credit to having a, a, a speaking protagonist and Danny Rojas was the MVP for sure. I picked the female Danny Rojas. It just seemed like the right fit for what I was trying to do. Um, but I had a really, really good time with just, you know, seeing her, you know, uh, you know, get get wrapped up in the story of the guerrillas uh, and, and just how it how well it all came together and, and, and how she bonded with the rest of the characters in that game. I think it's a huge, huge step up from previous Far Cries where it felt like everyone was just kind of talking at you, you know? Um, so I really appreciated that. And that's why it cracked my top 10. Um, coming in at number nine is Hitman three. Uh, another game from another franchise that I'm not exactly the biggest on, but Hitman 3 for me did what the first two games in the trilogy didn't really do enough of, which is get me immersed in the levels that you have created. Yes, the other ones had very expansive, deep levels that had a lot of nuance to them, but they just didn't grab me like Hitman 3's did. Uh, everything from Dartmoor to... Man, I, I don't even want to get into a lot of it because I take too much time on this recording but it the level design is incredible the missions are cool the way you can assassinate targets finally clicked with me and felt fun for the first time now I'm still kind of a uh, I don't love the dress up stuff I, I never liked that I think it's goofy you know how everybody in the world just happens to be the same height and build as agent 47 and stuff like that I mean it is a game I get it excuse me I get it but at the end of the day it's like all right oh, it's like dress up the game you know but um despite that I had a really incredible time with it I love the the, the, the vibe and the atmosphere of this franchise that looks beautiful uh, on ps5 which is where I bought it just a good time man I really loved it so uh, number nine is hitman three number eight the girl is back Samus Aaron returns in Metroid dread and I could not be happier about that because this game turned out to be pretty dope man and that's saying a lot because metroid's been gone for a hot minute and it came back swinging and uh you know it it really shows that metroid is special it wasn't just something from back then from yesteryear that doesn't hold up now uh yes a lot of great you know metroidvanias have come out since then the hollow knights of the world the ories of the world even games like axiom verge and stuff like that but metroid is still metroid man and, and, and it, it's definitely still good. It has problems, which is why it's at number eight. I think some of the map design could be better. It expects you to figure things out that are very hard to figure out. Um, the difficulty can get a little weird at times where it almost feels like it's designed for you to die until you figure it out. And I don't necessarily like that because it should be built in a way where you, you have the ability to get it right on the first try. That's my big thing, right? Um, 
but it doesn't do that. It has a repeating mini boss fight throughout the second half of the game that gets really old and uh, and annoying after a while. So it's certainly not perfect, but the atmosphere, believe it or not, the story, uh, if you know Metroid, you know, this game's got some bombshells for real. Uh, and, and that is pretty dope. Uh, the, the gameplay feels tight. The controls feel fluid and, and, and perfect. Uh, the combat feels great. There's even some set pieces in here that are really, really cool. Uh, I think this game is terrific and an excellent comeback for an excellent and underrated franchise. Shout out to Metroid Dread. Number seven, East Nine Monstrum Knox. Bro, I didn't think this was going to make the list. I didn't. I really didn't. When I played it, I'm like, yo, I love this game. I love it. But I bet you it's going to fall out and be an honorable mention for me when other stuff comes out this year. But no, no. Not only did it not slip, but I think it's pound for pound the best JRPG of the year. And yes, I know. I know Tales of Arise came out and I said what I said. Um, look, man, I, I, I really, really love this game. I think what it has going against it is its visuals and some of the budget restrictions when it comes to having voice acting all the way through. Um, that's, that does sting a little bit, but it makes up for it with a really cool story, albeit has some tropes for sure, but it definitely takes some chances on some things and does some really interesting stuff narratively that I didn't think it would do uh, for the East series that I really liked and appreciated. The combat is mwah, chef's kiss. I love it. It, it is it is absolutely immaculate. I love the um, the way that they do the little things right. Everything from you know the 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 the, the controls to the the way the map system works it is all just so done well and it's all very comfort foodie for me as a jrpg fan i really love this game man the characters are great the gameplay is great uh don't sleep on this man if you see it on sale on ps4 or ps5 or nintendo switch grab it i think you're going to actually be pleasantly surprised for sure um number six is forza horizon 5 racing game on a top 10 list yeah yeah because it actually happens to be kind of the best one ever made i mean you know something light right (laughs) right but you look forza horizon 5 to me excels on so many levels that it it cannot be denied um i came into this saying you know what it's on game pass it ain't gonna cost me nothing extra i'm just gonna dabble and we'll see how it goes because i didn't really get hooked on forza horizon 4 like that but 5 grabbed me bro and i was in all the way uh from from beginning to end i i went from like oh i'll just play a couple of you know races for 10 15 minutes and i'll jump into something else and then i look at the clock i'm like oh it's been three and a half hours and it's one of those games for me now again perfect no but the good far outweighs the bad. Mexico is amazing. The cars are amazing. The cars sound amazing. Uh, the presentation and the visuals and performance out of this world. Great, great stuff. Could do without the festival. Don't need that anymore. I think we're past that now, guys. It's a little goofy. Uh, <laughs> some of the story elements they're trying to do is a little goofy as well. And some of the adventure stuff you can do, like going to see a, like a volcano or something, it doesn't really, it, it's just kind of whack. It doesn't really do a lot for me personally. But that's about all I can say against this game. Maybe the soundtrack isn't the greatest, you know, for my personal taste. I wish it was more cultural for Mexico. Uh, but other than that, man, it... <laughs> Forza was everything, man. It was everything. Uh, So that's why it's my number six. 
Getting into top five territory now, we're going to kick that off with Resident Evil Village sitting at the five spot. Man, what an incredible game. I didn't love Resident Evil 7, guys. I'm one of the few. I didn't like the whole weird country family, we're going to get you, we're going to get you good. I didn't need all that. Um, I, I wanted a Resident Evil game with like Umbrella and Albert Wesker and Ada Wong and, you know, that squad. I, I didn't really like Seven. Eight for me was a lot better in terms of making it feel a lot more like a Resident Evil for me. Um, the castle section with Lady D, A1 stuff. I mean, they didn't know what they had with Homegirl and they let her die. Like, she is to Resident Evil what Voss is to Far Cry 3. Like, if they had known, oh my God, people were going to take to her like that, oh, she would have made it to the end of the game. Um, I, I fully believe that. Such a shame. And, but to that point, I think that's where the game kind of fell off because after the, the castle sequence and the dollhouse was just insane. I mean, that was brilliant uh, video game design right there. After that, it kind of got a little, I don't want to say bad because it wasn't bad at all, but it was just kind of like, I, right. you know, it was like, okay, you know, we're kind of getting into a good rhythm with like traditional Resident Evil type of stuff here, but nothing really leapt off the screen as well as the first half of the game did. So that's kind of why it fell down to number five, a really good game. And I'm really interested to see what they do next plot wise and gameplay wise based on the implications from what happened in that story, but I'm ready for it. So love you, uh, Resident and evil you did me right this time i'm so happy that it's my number five because you earned it number four is ratchet and clank rift apart listen i'm tired of the narrative about this game being just another ratchet and clank i'm sorry it's not okay two whole entire new protagonists with unique backstories and and, and inner conflicts of their own and that that you get to see and and experience throughout the game that's kind of different Okay, um, new weapons in this game. Ratchet and Clank always has to come up with new and interesting weapons. Did it again. Now, whether you like it more or less than other games' efforts with with weaponry and the arsenals to choose from is a different story. But it's different, right? The missions that you're in can go from being re- regular, straightforward, semi-linear missions to stuff that's more semi-open world, where you're getting on a dragon and off a dragon to go do your thing here, do your thing there across the map to like more horror elements where you're running from your uh, for your life from this this crazy beast uh you 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 can jump between you know different dimensions of a certain location when you need to get away and evade this thing it's brilliant stuff, man. It's got this hacking thing you can do, uh, you know, that, that's kind of peppered in between the, the, the combat stuff. It's really good. They even take characters from your Ratchet dimension and give you an alternate reality version of those characters to even make what's old new again. The narrative that this is just another Ratchet and Clank is way too overblown. I'm sick of hearing it. And on top of all that, can anyone name one flaw just one about this game's graphics. I'll wait. Oh, and while you're thinking about that, can you think of any other game that you can safely say does not have a graphical flaw? I thought so. Shout out to Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. You earned number four. Contrary to what everybody wants to say about you, I love you. But you're not in my top three. <laughs> Here's what is. Number three is Lost Judgment. Boy, did I not like the first judgment, guys. I did not like it at all. And I'm a Yakuza guy through and through. So when I saw they're making a spinoff in the Yakuza universe, where do I sign up? Where? 
and you have a pen. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm being stupid. But listen, Lost Judgment is, to me, the game that righted the ship because the story in the first judgment was so whacked out and over the top ridiculous that I could not buy into it whatsoever. It was to me, I, I think it was genuinely garbage. Um, Lost Judgment to me is is it brings that gritty detective tale that I wanted. It's got gang violence, it's got murders, it's got all the melodrama you could ever want. It's got it's got it's got bullying. Listen, man, it's got everything. It's got dancing. <laughs> Listen, it has it all. Now, I will say I'm being kind of facetious there a little bit, but I do think to kind of knock it down to number three, it was because a lot of the narrative elements, they laid it on too thick and they kept repeating the same plot elements over and over. Like they didn't trust that you would grasp it. So that got a little irritating for me. I'm not going to lie to you. And I think also the the juxtaposition between the serious melodrama and then the traditional Yakuza weirdness that happens with side missions. I just don't like how that works in Lost Judgment. I think that's more of a Yakuza thing uh, to, to speak you know, bluntly. So I actually didn't play any of the side missions. I know that's blasphemous to say, but I didn't dabble because um, I just wanted I, I, I wanted the drama. OK, and I got plenty of it and I loved a lot of it. Shout out to Lost Judgment number three. My number two game of 2021 is Halo Infinite. Somewhere Pablo's clutching his pearls. He's kind of like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, man, I did that. It happened. Listen, I don't want to act like this is like life or death, but this, but Halo Infinite is is greatness with two glaring caveats for me. Okay, the multiplayer, in my opinion, is my favorite multiplayer in Halo history. I've certainly sunk in more hours in, in this multiplayer than I ever did with two, three, or any of the others. And I get it. That might be blasphemous, but this is my list. Fight me if you want to. I got hands, right? Now, here's the thing. It came with the caveat of having a busted progression system. Just not good. And the battle pass was supposed to be dope, but man, when most of the stuff you get from the battle pass are challenge swaps because of your busted progression system, it's a domino effect, right? So even though the game itself is masterfully done and really well made, you have this asterisk that you got to sit on this thing. And I know they're working on it now. They're writing the ship. They're getting some stuff changed up and it'll be in a different space this time. Uh, next year for sure and I'm glad for that but it was what it was and I gotta call a spade a spade right to that similar point the campaign I love that campaign from what I played of it but I had to stop because all of the cinematics in this game have a bad frame pacing issue that makes all of them hitch and stutter some people notice it more than others some people care less than others. I care because I only get one first playthrough of Halo Infinite. You only get one, right? You only got one first time and it's got to count. So I'm waiting personally until they patch that, which they said they've acknowledged it's an issue. They're going to work on it from what I understand. So it's, it's going to get dealt with. And when it does, I'll be back on Zeta. But until then, I got to call a spade a spade again and say, look, that that impacted my personal experience. Now, what I have played of that campaign is incredible. 
I love the 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 linear moments going into the more open moments, and I've heard it goes back to being more linear later in the game. I actually like that. I like that it's doing some new stuff while also keeping it traditional at the same time. I think that's super dope. Uh, you know, I've heard things about the story and where it does and doesn't go. I'm going to reserve judgment on that. But from what I played, I like the fact that they've tucked some of the Halo 5 messiness in the audio logs. And they're kind of trying to move away from that and, and, and literally reboot and refresh this game's narrative. And I think that so far, they've done it in a really good way. But they got to get some of those technical issues worked on. So I had to put it at number two, guys. And I don't want to knock it too bad and say, oh, it's not a great Halo. Listen. Pound for pound, it might be my favorite of them, of them all. Again, I'm not scared of any of y'all. <laughs> it just is what it is. I, that's how I feel. But it came with caveats, all right? But my number one game of 2021 didn't come with any. And that's Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Never would have thought this game could be anywhere close to an honorable mention, let alone my number one game of the year. But it did it. I don't typically tell people that a certain game I played is one of my favorite games I've ever played in my life. But that's what I said about this very game to Pablo on this very show. And I wasn't sensationalizing or throwing a bunch of hyperbole out there because I was just riding a high. I meant that. And I don't say that about a lot of games too often. Usually, I don't say that kind of thing about a game unless it's in my top 20 or 30 of all time. I'll just leave that there. That's how highly I think of this game. The story is incredible. The characters are incredible. The narrative is incredible overall. The conflict you experience in this game is incredible. The sound design is incredible. The, the music is incredible. The gameplay is, 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 is a, it, it's not incredible, but it's a really good game. It's really good gameplay. Now, here's the thing. It is spongy in terms of the damage output but you can fix it so easily within the very robust menu of accessibility and customization. Talking to you, every, every other game out there, take notes. So easy to tune it the way you like it that it wasn't even a flaw for me. Even the things that weren't great were tunable to become great about this game. It's the best single-player co-op game of all time, right? With the way the combat works and how you use the other uh, Guardian's abilities and stuff like that. Incredible stuff. So many memorable moments in this game. The highs and lows of, of, of coming together as a group and figuring out how to work together and synergize as a unit. Not getting along and how you work through the obstacles of being a team. All that stuff told in a, in a very very brilliant fashion because it's Eidos Montreal and they happen to make bangers like, I don't know, Deus Ex, right? They did their thing with this one. And I just, I, I, it's very seldom that I get depressed and anxious about a game ending because I don't want it to end. And this was a game that did that for me. I couldn't, I couldn't get past the fact that, do I really want to do this and put it at number one? Do I really want to go all out like that when I got Halo, when I got Lost Judgment, Ratchet and Clank? I love those games, but I had to because this game at every corner never let me down. It never let me down. It's one of my favorite games ever, and it had to be number one. So it is on my list. So to summarize, honorable mentions for me, Near Replicant, XO1, and Unpacking. 
in my top 10 games of the year. At number 10, Far Cry 6. Number 9, Hitman 3. Number 8, Metroid Dread. Number 7, East 9, Monstrum Knox. Number 6, Forza Horizon 5. Number 5, Resident Evil Village. Number 4, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Number 3, Lost Judgment. Number 2, Halo Infinite, which went crazy. Shout out to Mighty Keith. Bow, bow, bow. And number one, Marvel Baby, Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. And here's to a great 2022 with even better games to come. We'll see you next time.